0: This retro thing
1: for what it is Nostalgia I goes heavy On those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling While my hair is turning red This felt worthy of an introduction as you are about to embark on an epic journey through our Are You Afraid of the Dark episode that uh, we talk a little bit about in the episode itself. But this one has been planned since day one. There was always talk that before we settled on what this podcast actually is, at one point we were going to go through every episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, uh, each episode of that being its own podcast episode. We were briefly talked about doing the same For Goosebumps, but I came really Really close to executing on that Are You Afraid of the Dark idea Right down to having watched the first episode And planning a record And decided Not to do it, and we went with This instead for the variety, because we figured We'd get three seasons into Are You Afraid of the Dark And go, there's nothing left to say So instead we went the route we did But this episode has always been in the works And I knew that Now that I was finally going to execute on it because I don't know how long we're going to do this podcast And I don't want to look back with any regrets and go, damn it, why didn't we ever do Are You Afraid of the Dark? So we're doing it And we have three special guests lined up for this uh, three-hour epic podcast episode Uh, I have been a casual reader for most of my life I would always say, you know, oh, I read horror And if anyone were to say, oh, who are your top five horror authors? I'd go, oh man, Stephen King. And uh, I read a Dean Kuntz book once. Uh, Lovecraft? So something that I've discovered this year is the sheer amount of quality horror literature that is out there. And I've read a lot of indie horror and discovered a lot of great authors and books. And so I thought... It would be a lot of fun for this episode to bring some of those authors in. So I have lined up three fantastic authors for this episode. Uh, in order of appearance: Laurel Hightower, Sonora Taylor, and Nico Bell. And they, I have read works by them and really enjoyed the books. And I thought, you know what? Not only is it going to be fun to just talk with them about the show and just you know have have a have a conversation, but to also you know. ...put it out there to anyone listening that, hey, we're all locked in our houses, probably reading books. These are books that you should absolutely check out. So, uh, I am happy they all agreed, and you're about to hear three different segments for three different episodes with three different authors. So, just kick back, enjoy, maybe go check out the episodes beforehand. Go look at the show notes where you're going to find links to all of the books that we are going to talk about today... I talk a lot in this episode about hoping that I found a cool way to transition from segment to segment. I didn't want to use anything from Are You Afraid of the Dark directly because Nickelodeon still exists and maybe they're super litigious, I don't know. So instead, keeping with sort of an October spooky theme, please enjoy transition effects that are various characters from the original PlayStation Resident Evil going, what is this? What? What is this? All right, hello and welcome to I just realized I probably recorded an intro before this, but that's fine. Welcome to the first segment of our epic Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, uh, an episode that has been planned I think when we first started writing down topics that we wanted to do for this show, Are You Afraid of the Dark was one of the first ones to the point where originally this whole podcast was just going to be an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast where every episode to that. I right? We thought people would. I think we found out that other people were doing it. We were all proud of this idea of nobody's doing an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode by episode podcast. Then you look it up and you go, it's the internet. Like six people are already doing this. (laughs) could always use more. Yes, exactly. And I don't think any of them actually saw it through. So we Mm. maybe would have been the only podcast to just smash through that wall and go, no, we're going to do every single episode. I know. I don't want to either, but we're going to. (laughs) Uh, So we have, uh, there'll be a series of amazing special guests for this episode. And joining me for our first segment, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Uh, Yeah, sure. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Laurel Hightower. I am a horror author, um, and I'm also a a podcast co-host and mother of a small child.
1: Do you want to uh, give a little shout out for your podcast?
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, I am one of three hosts of Ink Heist, which is uh, a podcast for readers. And it is, we cover mostly horror fiction with some crime and some other stuff, but mostly we're just unintelligible. And, uh, you know, that's how we spend our Saturday
1: nights. So, yeah, you'll fit in well here. And that doesn't (laughs) directly compete with this podcast. So it's okay that we mentioned that one.
2: I figured, you know, that because I wasn't trying to, yeah. yeah.
1: Otherwise, that would have got snipped right out. (laughs)
2: <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> uh,
1: and actually, anyone who has been, been listening to the show uh, will remember that a few months back, uh, I actually shouted out Whispers in the Dark was oh, wow. a book that I thought uh, that I was reading at the time and I thought everybody should read. Uh, there are, So there's two books, if I'm not mistaken. There's Whispers in the Dark and then you recently mm-hmm. released Crossroads in yes. August, I believe. Yeah. Uh, which I finished this week. Oh my gosh, Laurel. <laughs> i'm sorry (laughs) no you don't need to be like seriously oh my gosh i went i was not ready i was not ready for that but finn you know not to put you on the spot too much but fantastic book easy thank you anyway i i will uh did you want to give i don't want to speak too much for it but do you want to give kind of a little the the pitch for for the books but yeah
2: sure but whispers in the dark is and thank you very much for uh for reading that and for shouting it out um it's kind of funny, I just got my royalty statement for the first half of 2020 and it outsold no, this is not that impressive because it's it's not been like a huge seller, but it outsold everything to this, to date. So um that's definitely, you know, grassroots podcasts, book books to grammars, everybody shouting it out has has been totally, you know, behind that. So it's much appreciated. Um Whispers in the Dark is kind of a uh it's a um paranormal police procedural. Uh, there are, there are ghosts, there's a SWAT sniper who sees them and, um, more ghosts and, uh, things that she has to do about that. So it's kind of, it's set in Memphis. It's a little bit of, of, uh, supernatural action on a grander scale. And then, um, Crossroads is incredibly different from that. It's a novella, um, very small cast, very kind of quiet horror. Uh, it's grief horror. And it is just deals with a a mother who has lost her adult son a couple of years before and kind of what she will do for the chance to see him again. And um, I have been really uh, appreciative of, of the reception that it's gotten very much so, but I also feel like I feel bad about releasing (laughs) a book like that this year (laughs) because it's like, nobody needs to be (laughs) more depressed than they are. So.
1: Yeah, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say it's an it's a, an uplifting tale, but it is it is, incredib- not, no. it is incredibly <laughs> well written and effective. Uh, so, I will I will be posting some uh, links to all of the books by our guests in the show notes. So, I highly recommend uh, going over and grabbing those. It is there, both absolutely worth your time. And you actually too raised a good point. Then it's something I've learned this year too because I'm f- pretty. Like before this year, I I would say like oh I'm a horror reader, but that just meant hey Stephen King has a new book, and so this year has really opened my eyes to just how much good reading there is out there, and also how important it is for things like good read reviews and Amazon reviews. So uh, to anyone listening, if you have read anything um, that lately that particularly you know stuck with you. Get get a review out there. It is amazing how much even just one review can, can help. From what I've seen. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Speaking I've, as an and, outsider, but...
2: Well, yeah, it, it's definitely the case. And also I'll add to that, that um, first of all, I, I believe that uh, reviews are for readers. They also help authors and we appreciate getting them, but um, it's a reader's space. So I will never... I'm never going to take issue with any review, even if you say you hated it and think I'm a terrible person. You know, um, I mean, don't, I, say I, sec- don't say the second
1: don't say the second thing in your review. That's I mean, not, that's not constructive. And- it's not
2: constructive, but you know, I'm still not going to I'm still not going to bother <laughs> anybody about it. But um, but I do think that there is there is a need for that, and reading is subjective, um, and it also needs to be enjoyable. So you know, if there was some element of something that you just uh, got under your skin and you hated it you might save someone else who's got that same pet peeve from reading something that they hate, you know, and yeah. the goal is let's enjoy our reading. So
1: exactly. Very well said. Uh, but we're here to talk about something pretty different than, than the world of <laughs> literature. Uh, we're here to talk about the nineties children horror anthology show. Are you afraid of the dark? Which, man, I, I'm excited for this one. I've wanted to do this for so long and it's an ambitious and you know, kind of overwhelming topic to, to to tackle. So we're only gonna we're gonna have a handful of episodes covered here. And before we get into the actual episode itself, so you actually there are gonna be three guests on this episode. You're the only one who had any familiarity with the show. We're actually really? gonna expose two people to this show for the first time. Wow, which is even more pressure because what do you show them <laughs> to to try? Because you know, I want people to enjoy it, so I poured over all the episode guys. Like, what would be scary for an adult now seeing this sh- killed children's show for the first time?
2: Well, I think we might have stolen the 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 scariest I one think, of the franchise.
1: I think we did. <laughs> As tempting as it was to just do this episode three times. (laughs) I don't know how engaging that would be for people to listen to. Although if I didn't acknowledge it and they just kept like, wait, is he just going to talk about that episode again? That might've been fun.
2: There's still time again.
1: There is still, there (laughs) is still time. We'll see. People listening to this, you will find out what decision I made very soon. (laughs) Uh, so did you I assume that you watched this one back when yes. it first back when it first aired?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember watching it. Um, and it is the reason I am still frightened of swimming pools to this day.
1: Yes, was this kind of a, a gateway horror, would you say for you back in or at, th- at this point were you like were you into I,
2: I was probably already into it, and I think that was why I was so drawn to it initially. and it was one of those things like um yeah, I was kind of taking some notes too while I was watching it, and just in in watching the intro, piece and you know the the theme coming on and everything i was remembering it and i was just like man this was really really well done yeah Um, because it just gets you in such a nice creepy cozy mood which is exactly what i have always wanted out of horror you know and i think it just did that beautifully
1: yeah and it doesn't it does not put on the kids gloves like yes it's aimed at a younger audience but are you afraid of the dark was never concerned about kind of taking things maybe a little further than some of them would. Uh, Episodes would end on downer notes. Yeah. Um,
2: And that is, it's interesting because one of the things we've been talking about this year um, is uh, YA. uh, And, and um, I had not read much YA and then recently uh, Adam Caesar put out clown in a cornfield, which is, have you read that?
1: I have. Yes.
2: Yeah, and that's why. A but man, that is not you know that doesn't pull any punches.
1: No, I uh, read it uh, pretty close to when it came out, and I texted uh, Sam. You know Sam, I think part of the maybe yes, maybe Sam. She's on the sci-fi and scary team. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: The literary hooker. Yes, I yes, the literary hooker. Thank you. I know Sam. Yeah, Uh, so she's done a bunch of episodes of this too, and I I started reading it first, and I messaged her, and it's like they say fuck on like page six. <laughs> She's like, really? It's like, I didn't think why I could do that. like, and then by page 10, it's like they've just dropped it four more times <laughs> and someone's dead and every Yeah. It's,
2: but it's, you know, when you think about it, um, most of the people that we talked to who are immersed in horror started reading Stephen King at like age nine. Yeah. You know, I mean, we all stole it from our parents. We were all reading that. And it's like, uh, when you're dealing with kids, who are 13, 14, 15, if you try and dumb it down for them, they're not going to enjoy it. They're going to go find something else.
1: Agreed. Yeah. They'll seek it out no matter what, if you're not providing it in the material meant for them, then they'll go, okay, I'll, I'll find it on my own.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. You know, I, I never, of course, when you're a kid too, you don't think it's over the top for yourself. Um, And this is where I've got my two-year-old now, like I probably won't expose him to things as early as I was, you know, just. But I've, you know, if he seeks it out, I'm going to be like, yeah, me too. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: I think I I will probably take a pretty similar approach. I'm not going to sit them down in front of it, at least not yet, but I assume it's coming at some point.
2: Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to it because like my husband's not big on scary movies. So hopefully my kid will be and we can just sort of like curl up and watch Shudder all the time.
1: Yes. I have a very similar because my wife, I think when we first started dating, so our first date was Saw 3. <laughs> um (laughs) just start
2: right off the bat (laughs) yeah
1: which oof that was ill-advised and i spent that whole movie going well that's it for that (laughs) oh well um but it it turns out kind of as time went on she's like yeah i watched those movies with you because i liked you i don't want to watch those movies anymore so i am kind of yes i am the same that i have you know now two tiny humans that i can mold and sculpt to get my you know my video game partner and my horror partner out of
2: heck yes yeah
1: i just need one the other one because then you know you and mom you can go in the other room and watch gilmore girls and we're gonna be in here watching texas chainsaw massacre
0: this is
2: why we procreate right Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> So what we laid out is, someone has to watch the Friday the 13th movies with me. We need a baby. <laughs> and the path has already started. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think kids like to be scared. So it's nice that a show like this doesn't pander to them.
2: Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and we will get into how this episode certainly does not pander to them.
2: No. No. Uh,
1: so the, for any, I think... From, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll explain just kind of briefly what the show is in case, you know, cause I was going to say, I think everyone's familiar, but as I've learned planning this episode, no, many are not. Uh, so are weird. You Afraid of the Dark is an anthology show with the midnight, the midnight Society, which is a group of kids who, do you think they actually meet at midnight? They look pretty young to be out at midnight.
2: They do, but on the other hand, no one notices that they're gone all this time. So I feel like they've got to be going out after the parents are in bed.
1: I think so. That's the episode I want to see It's just the one where they get caught. And there's no yeah. scary story. We just deal with that.
2: <laughs> Although, again, if it's my kids, I'm like, what were you... Do- oh, you were telling... Sure, whatever. Oh, Yeah, just use your key next time. Don't sneak out. You're fine.
1: Yeah. Here's some oh, snacks. Just... Take them with you. In the in the woods, drinking milk and telling scary stories. That's <laughs> totally fine. Oh, my gosh. I was worried for a second there. <laughs> oh. I think as a kid, I always just assumed it was like 9 p.m. and they just thought Midnight Society sounded cooler, but... It does. And then they, uh, they're introducing a new member to the group in this episode. Uh, Stig, I believe his name was.
2: Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was Stig or I kind of thought they might have said Stink, but either way.
1: They do talk a lot about his hygiene, so that yeah. would make sense. But the subtitle said Stig, so uh, I'm gonna okay. go, I'll go with the, the the YouTube subtitle.
2: God, I love subtitles. Yes.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so helpful when you have to watch everything at volume 10 so you don't wake everybody in the house <laughs> yes. up.
2: Yes, that's when we started and we've never stopped.
1: Yeah. If we put on a Blu-ray or something that doesn't have subtitles, we have to pause and seriously consider if we can actually watch this. <laughs> uh, so then they, uh, is it, they throw something in the fire. I don't know what they did. Yeah, whatever.
2: Off. The sort of magical sand, the little you know, yeah. poof.
1: Which stick eats at one point yeah reasons that was not clear on
2: i was i that would not have occurred to me um, to eat it because i would have assumed it was some sort of like fireworks chemical mixture but
1: i mean and he he doesn't react to it as though it's disgusting so
2: that does make me question what they've got going on there i'm not sure what would make the fire do that but it's cool
1: yeah um okay so we got to say it together you ready we're going to introduce the same way they do it we're going to we're going to do the midnight society intro you ready
2: okay yep all right Ready.
1: Submitted Submitted for the approval approval of the Midnight Midnight Society. Society. We call this story
2: Dead Man's Float. of the Dead Man's
1: Float. You did it better than me. You had the whole,
2: I know, I know. I missed that part. And I missed the poof of the fire.
1: That's all right. I didn't say I was going to give sound effects (laughs) and anything like that. Uh, This episode ends with young Jay Baruchel drowning in a pool, (laughs) which I kind of forgot it was one Jay Baruchel. But the stakes of this episode are laid bare very quickly as it takes place, I think it starts in the 1950s, Mm -hmm. a while ago. Uh, And uh, a young boy is drowned in a pool insisting that there is something that is pulling him down. And the lifeguard attempts to save him. Can't. We have our children's show that opens with the drowning of a small child. Yes, yes. The stakes are made very clear very quickly.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And w- we are then introduced to I'm if you've listened to the show, you'll know I'm very bad with character names and never remember them. So we are introduced to main boy <laughs> whose name Zeke. T- Zeke. Zeke. Yes. Yeah. Zeke. A very nineties name. I don't think we get a lot of Zeke's anymore.
2: No, and he looks very Macaulay Culkin.
1: Very Macaulay Culkin. He's p- Very much portrayed as, you know, oh, I think even the Stig says, you know, he's the smartest loser in school, and this nerd, but he's, you know, Hollywood nerd.
2: Obviously, yeah. Where
1: I feel like if that, someone who looked like that went to my high school, he would probably still have been, you know, top 10 handsomest dudes. Yeah. Probably. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because that's, that's that Hollywood thing. It's like, you know, the, oh no, she's got glasses and a ponytail.
1: (laughs) Ew. (laughs) He does have, he does have glasses and pretty long male hair. So Yeah, you know. So. And he he wears very big sweaters. Lots they looked
2: of, cozy, honestly. I would, they did. I would take those sweaters.
1: Lots of 90s fashion.
2: Yeah. I so, sort of forgot because you got Clarice wearing that vest.
1: Yeah, the, the, the big sport coats and Yep. So I'm trying to remember the sequence of events. Basically, Zeke ends up. You seem way better at char- with character names than I am. What was the main girl? Uh,
2: Clarice.
1: I b- Clarice. I believe
2: it's Clarice because there's the other girl that's her friend.
1: Yeah, the friend's name I don't remember either. No,
2: and I'm I'm pretty sure the main girl was Clarice.
1: That sounds right because I can remember her him yelling that name at one point when they're in the pool. Yeah. Uh, they. So she's on the swim team, but she's gonna you know classic movie TV problem. If she doesn't get her grades up, Laurel, they're going to kick her off the swim team. Mm-hmm. So she's got to get those chemistry grades up or science grades. One of them.
2: Which can only be resolved by another student tutoring her. Yeah. There's no other way.
1: No, no other way. That's it. That's the only way Hollywood knows to solve that problem. So
2: Yes. How else are you going to have a meet cute like that? Because, you know, yeah. you're, you're not going to have nerd boy hook up with, athlete girl otherwise no
1: it just doesn't the, work uh, the only way that anyone has ever learned to overcome their differences and that opposites attract is by high school tutoring <laughs> that's just romance that is textbook romance So <laughs> how everyone's met everyone <laughs> so she they make a well i guess no they don't make an agreement i don't even think he's tutoring her yet i think the first thing he does is say you know there's something i gotta show you can you hang around after school? And she does not question, like, okay, weird. But instead they meet up in the morning and he has uncovered the abandoned high school pool, which this school just decided to shove some lockers in front of the door. Like you. No one will will ever find it.
2: (laughs) And I think he was calculating the volume of the school. (laughs) Yes. So that's interesting.
1: Yes, he did say that's what he was doing. And she doesn't question that either. I was calculating the volume of the school.
2: Well, they had to give him a nerd reason for doing it. Because honestly, what's this nerd even doing in the boys changing room? Because we know he's not an athlete.
1: That is an excellent point. Wow, I didn't even think of that. But that's true. They did have to sit down and go, why would he be where athletes are?
2: Yeah, it's, you're either a nerd or an athlete or you're miscellaneous.
1: Yeah, so. you can't be both. No. That's again, that's another science rule. If genetically you're good at football, then you can't also be good at science.
2: Yeah, that's not, it doesn't work.
1: No, it's too bad, but it's how the human body is wired. And we've all (laughs) just had to learn to deal with it.
2: It's an either or.
1: Yeah, basketball looked fun, but I was too good at English. So, oh, well, (laughs) maybe next time. So he shoves these lockers aside because that's all the school decided to do to make sure that this haunted, abandoned, spooky pool that they don't want anyone to go in is never found, and he shows her this because they're driving an hour each way to go to practice, which seems insane because what
2: town doesn't have like a pool
1: it, yeah even just when I've, yeah even just one our small I grew up in a town of nine thousand we had two options for a pool, so Sure, but she's like, oh, we got to get this reopened. And two weeks later, they have completely renovated the space, somehow found, because I don't think high schools are swimming in money. Generally not. But they have managed to find what they needed to very quickly renovate a, a pool, a pool space for their swim team. Who I guess we can assume is very, very good at what they do.
2: They're probably a big moneymaker for the school. That's I guess, what it's got to be.
1: I guess they have to be. People are coming out for them swim meets, although not if they have to commute an hour.
2: Apparently, they're just <laughs> that good. I don't know.
1: Apparently. I mean, I love my children, but if they were, you know, if you got to come watch the swim meet, it's 60 minutes each way. Oh, God, really? Well, that's at that point,
2: night. I'm pretty sure my kid wouldn't be on the team because, like, parents got to drive, so. Yeah.
1: Like, that's that's the whole night. That's, that's, like, three episodes of a show. I don't know, guys. <laughs> Do you know how many are you afraid of the darks we could watch in that time? I'll answer for you. Six.
2: <laughs> there are limits to, to parental <laughs> commitment. So
1: yeah. And that is a hard one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is actually, I'm going to also make sure I, I consult my notes. So I'm not missing anything. Cause there was a lot going on in this episode. I did write handsome nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and 90s fashion. <laughs> Uh, so they go in well actually even before they renovate they go in and look at the space and this uh like a tarp or something at the bottom of the pool bubbles up
2: that was so good
1: that was so good
2: yeah yeah uh
1: and even in the opening scene there's something always effective about pov shots under the water Mm -hmm. um i don't are you a fan of just water in general
2: i am not i am um Pretty deeply terrified, like one of those phobias that completely overrides your sense of like, uh, you know, social decorum. So yeah, it's not. I I, th- I thought at one point that it had been long enough and I was an adult and I was like, ah, you know, if my friends want to rent a pontoon, we can we can do this. And that was not the case. It's actually still. And I I'm mostly convinced that it is corpses come back to life.
1: So it is this We're episode that did it.
2: Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah pretty sure that was a big part of it
1: i think i because i agree with you we get it water is terrible Uh uh-oh uh-oh all right i will just acknowledge that there's probably going to be an awkward edit there but there will be probably an awkward edit there um weird yeah we're talking about how we understand that yes water should be feared because there probably is and i don't know if it for me stems from this episode but i definitely know even as a child I was not a fan of the water largely because I just assumed there's something down there.
2: Yeah, well, and I actually think, and I still don't know whether it's all this episode, but the number of people that when I mentioned that I had watched this and, they, and I was like, remember the one, the dead man's float with the, And they're like, oh God, the swimming pool. I mean, like it stuck with everybody. Yeah. And actually on this ill-fated pontoon trip, when I was just like really just unreasonably terrified, couldn't get in the water, you know, couldn't do anything, um, one of my friend's husbands was like, he said in the water, are you afraid that it's a dead body? And I'm like, "Yes, see, I'm not, the." he's like, I know me too. I'm kind of, I feel like they probably flooded a town and there was a cemetery that they didn't move. And you know, everyone's angry.
1: Okay, good. I'm glad that this episode at least instilled some, you know, common sense in all of us.
2: Yeah. I mean, how else are we going to survive? You yeah.
1: know, And it's that the corpse is invisible, which is that extra little bit too. Because obviously in a pool, we'd see it swimming around down there and go, oh, fuck, don't get in the pool. There's a yeah. dead guy down there. Yeah, oh, we but... can curse here, by the way, so feel free to... Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> to because... let those fly.
2: <laughs> because apparently I do it even when I'm trying to mind my language, so...
1: Yeah, I feel I should have established that right from moment one, that you can say anything you want in this, in this place. Um, yeah, this one, it definitely... Because even, I don't think I said this at the top... When we first set out to pick an episode, both of us immediately knew that this was the one we had to do. Yeah, yeah. And, this
2: is the one that has stuck with me the most. Uh,
1: did you watch the the reboot they did of *Are You Afraid of the Dark* last I year? I
2: have not. Is that on? Um, is that on Netflix or where is that? I
1: think it. Might be on well here in Canada it's crave but HBO Max.
2: Oh, They're okay. Really... That ex- yeah, that explains why I haven't watched it. Yeah,
1: they might because I think they get all the Nickelodeon stuff, but they just released that on DVD and along with it they put in you know three fan favorite episodes, and this was obviously one of them. So
2: nice. This well, one that has... makes sense.
1: Yeah, this one, and I remember. Like I watched this a lot as a as a kid, but this is the episode I remember distinctly. Led me to sleep with the lights on, which kind of didn't make a huge amount of sense because no, I wasn't swimming in a floaty or sleeping on a floaty in a pool. So he couldn't get me.
2: That was effective too. I thought the way that they did that was very effective.
1: Yeah. Uh, So after they renovate this, the magically renovate the pool in two weeks using all of the money for any activity the high school has planned for the next year. No field trips for anybody except to the pool. Uh, they kind of trade off by Clarice saying, okay, well, I'm going to give you swimming lessons. I'm going to teach you how to swim because you found this abandoned pool for us. And on the first well, last... sorry,
2: that's the tutoring exchange.
1: Oh, you're right. Of course. Yep. It's the tutoring yep. exchange. Yep. You tutor me. I will teach you how to swim, which seems fairly fair. even trade yeah so in the first lesson they are floating in a, an inflatable raft in the middle of the pool and it does i appreciate that the episode doesn't really waste any time he has his hand in the water as a starting point to get a feel for you know it's okay one step at a time but it's not because then a dead guy grabs his hand and yanks him down into the water and it starts to get into the because we established the ghost is invisible but you can smell him which is interesting Yeah, he smells like acid, we find out Which, thank god, the nerd was there Because Cause, otherwise Because otherwise, yeah Everyone would be done for <laughs> um, He, after he gets pulled in He's like, there's something down there, something, grab me It's maybe ten seconds before it attacks the raft again So we don't have to deal with too long of You're crazy, nothing could have pulled you in The corpse doesn't wait long before going Oh no, I'm here
2: Yeah I'm not trying to hide. I was just waiting for you guys to get in.
1: Yeah, and it is a very well done sequence because they are stranded in this raft in a pool where they can't paddle with their hands because it will grab them. It is actively, occasionally trying to bump them over. It was very like that creep show two sequence where they're all stuck on a raft. There's just something terrifying about being stuck on something in the middle of a body of water.
2: Oh God, I know they're big things in oceans too so yep
1: (laughs) yep i think actually that's where some of my fear of water is this came from is this image of being in a boat and seeing a huge shadow swim underneath you
2: like did you did you watch castaway did you see that ages ago
1: did i haven't seen it since it came out
2: do you remember when he's on the raft like, and he's, he's leaving the island and he's got this like totally shoddy, you know, homemade raft and a freaking whale goes underneath him. I... And it's supposed to be like a beautiful moment of like, wow. And I'm just like, <laughs> I would just give up right then. Yep.
1: You're watching and just went, nope, fuck that. I would just either go back to the island and go, I'm, this is home now. This is me now. Or throw yeah. the volleyball at it.
2: <laughs> Whatever it takes just... to get that thing to fuck off.
1: Because, yeah. You know. And just hope for the best.
2: I mean, whales I are very nice in, in theory. I wish it, them well. Yes, I don't want to be over over them at no, all. M-
1: majestic creatures to watch from the safety of a boat with a lot of other people. Because if it attacks the boat, I can just throw other people at the whale and hope for the best.
2: Oh, good call. Like good call.
1: a like a hero would do.
2: <laughs> Did you? Uh, so, uh, sorry, this is going to be a, an aside, but have you seen this thing about the orcas like orchestrating attacks? On fishing vessels? I have not. Yeah, like, it's, and I forget how many times it's happened, and it's all in this, like, one, you know, kind of area where you figure it's probably the same pod. But they, like, have been fucking people up. They have been, like, disabling outboard motors. They have been causing major damage to the boats. Like, they're going to get you. And I'm like, you know what? This is your warning, people. You're probably going to want to get out of their area. They're done. The orcas are done with you.
1: I did not have orca revolt on my 2020 list of potentials, but I probably should have.
2: You know, I I feel very, no one has, no one has yet died from the Orca attacks, but frankly, that's, that's just a matter of time.
1: Oh yeah. I assume this is just their phase one of put a little fear in them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one more thing to fear in case you ever decided you were going to get back in the water. Just don't. God.
1: And if it came down to a war between us and the Orcas, we don't
2: stand a chance. No, except that they have to stay in the water. That's right. Unless. That's, unless. I what know. if that's
1: phase three where they reveal that, oh, by the way, we figured it out.
2: We've always been able to get on land.
1: Yeah. We can now also go on land and run. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> and okay. Okay. things to fear.
1: <laughs> yep. Oh, so that's another 2020. Well, I figured we had a better chance of full M. Night Shyamalan tree revolt than the orcas, but.
2: Uh, Yeah. I'm not sure which is worse, but I don't know. I've, I've just, my, my longstanding belief has been that I would not last long in any sort of apocalyptic major disaster scenario.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Do you also kind of sometimes do that thing where you watch a horror movie and pinpoint the point where that would be it for you?
2: Yeah. It's usually very early on yep. because it's just like, I'd be like, Oh, I'm sorry. My anxiety is way too high for this. And I'm also very tired. Yeah. So I'm not going to run. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to stay here.
1: Are Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. This feels like the right time.
2: You guys are going to die anyway. And that's going to be after a whole lot of really unpleasant running and watching other people die. So
1: it's going to be way more frustrating because you're going to think you came close. At least me.
2: eh. Yeah. I'm not even going to (laughs) try.
1: Credits.
2: (laughs) Sorry. I way sidelined.
1: (laughs) No, that's okay. We do a lot of that here too. That is totally fine. Um, yeah, I guess. So. I mean, at that point, we're pretty much into the the reveal of what this thing is because he knocks them out of the raft, and then the janitor, who earlier when they're in the decrepit pool, is also in there. I don't know how he got in there first, unless he's just often standing in there and waiting around.
2: Well, and and given his his revealed background, I can see that being a thing. Yeah did you did you interpret it that so yeah so when this like body bobs up underneath the tarp which is again really effective because there's no water in there at that point it's clearly Mm -hmm. laying flat on concrete and then you've got like a like a human body bobbing up under it it looked to me like he observed that like he was able to see that that was going on
1: agreed i'm wondering if yeah maybe he just goes in there every now and then to check on things
2: yeah that was the impression that i got
1: uh and actually speaking of magically appearing one thing i noted too is when they're first in the pool floating in the raft we get one of those jump scare fake outs where we think the corpse has attacked the raft, but it's actually just Clarice's friend. How in the hell did she get in there without them noticing?
2: I know, because it's like, I get that the, the dead guy's invisible, but she's not. Was she no. just holding her breath for a super, super, super <laughs> long time?
1: 45 minutes?
2: And they also didn't notice like her visible self, you know, there on the bottom of the pool?
1: Yep, before they got in There seems to be only one entrance. So that is wise
2: for them not to cover that. I think it's wise for them just to let that fly.
1: That was an incredible prank on her point to say, I've learned how to hold my breath for an hour and a half and I got you. (laughs) You done got pranked. Um, So they're like, oh, that was scary. But then an actual dead person starts messing with them and that's way worse. So after the janitor pulls them out, we get his tragic backstory, which is that he is the boyfriend in the opening scene who saw young Jay Baruchel drown, and then three more people... Well, no one believed his story that, hey, an invisible dead guy did this. And then three more people drowned. So I don't know if they then started to believe it or just went, something's messed up with this pool, Lock the door and put a bunch of lockers in front of it and call it a day.
2: I think that's, that was the impression I got because it was interesting. He said, and then people just forgot... And you're like, really? Because I feel like that would still have been covered regularly. But I don't know.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every five years, some newspaper would write, hey, it's been five years since a potential ghost dead guy drowned a bunch of people. We should probably keep talking about that.
2: Yeah. Let's do a retrospective. But well, except if they wanted to prevent people from looking for the pool.
1: That's also true. Yeah. And it is pre, well, pre-ish internet days, early internet days.
2: In the
0: fifties? That's that'd be well, great.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. I guess the story to keep it alive. I'm thinking yeah. of when the episode happened in the nineties. There was no yeah. internet yet, yeah. But that's very true that yes, to keep it alive would have required internet in the 70s. Yeah. So Yeah. So yeah. probably not. Probably not. Uh, so they figure out that, hey, if we I don't know, there's if we science this thing and throw some science at it. <laughs> They say some chemical names. It smells like acid, and acid reacts to this orange. Ma- other uh,
2: mag, not magnesium, something orange. Mango. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Something orange.
1: Something. Yeah. Orange science product. Yeah. <laughs> so they go and they pour it in the pool, which I guess is enough. I don't know if they just got lucky and he happened to be standing right underneath where they poured it, or if just pouring it enough was enough to get the whole pool.
2: I was wondering about that that uh, ratio. So
1: yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not a science man like Zeke so I can't pretend to understand cuz no one tutored me in science.
2: Well you got you do, could you teach them anything you know like did you have swimming lessons to offer?
1: No. I didn't look behind the lockers to see if we had a pool back there now I'm wondering if we did.
2: Well I'm also really concerned about from a physics standpoint I worry about everyone who uses those lockers because I just feel like if if all you've got is them on a swinging Door. What's to stop them from smashing someone at some point? But
1: yeah, and yeah, he doesn't even apply. I know I'm really hung up on the locker thing, but he doesn't even apply enough, fo- like a lot of force.
2: Yeah, which I mean makes me them. think it's just this swinging door yeah. of lockers. You know, like just kind of waiting for someone to find it.
1: But... And there'd be a gap behind the lockers where you could wouldn't take much to go. Guys, there's a fucking door back here.
2: Yeah, I'd be you I'd sh- be surprised that someone hadn't found it by then.
1: Agreed. Um Unless there's a whole other prequel stories to tell about the haunted pool. Oh, who knows? So at this point, and this is the stuff I'll always remember as a kid. So the orange agent grabs hold of him and they start to see, and again, another pretty well, like they start to see something bubbling towards the surface and it forms for a while and kind of builds up the suspense. And then when they, they reveal reveal it, it's a fucking dead guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a really creepy one.
1: Yeah, they don't... You kind of think maybe, okay, what's the kid's version of a dead ghost zombie? Like, oh, maybe it's just, you know, a guy with some makeup on or something. But this is a rotting corpse. Yep, Yeah. And made even worse because the orange has to tinge him all orange, which I think makes him creepier.
2: It does, yeah. Yeah, because it's just very unnatural.
1: Yeah. And he moves. So I have a thing in horror. I don't know I mean, I'm sure everyone kind of has their, their buttons in horror. Mine is when things move very unnaturally. Like when they kind of are all jittery and.
2: Oh, like that stop motion.
1: Yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. Like when you have to hire a ballet dancer because they're capable of making these unnatural movements. And
2: mm. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Do you have your kind of, that's mine for sure. Like,
2: Oh, the stuff that like creeps you out like that?
1: Yeah. Like the, nope, Um, nope.
2: I'm not sure if I have one that's like sort of like universal, but the grudge really messed with me because, I'm sorry, like it's a horror movie rule. When you jump on your bed and get your covers over you, you're safe, you're on home base. So to have something coming up under your covers when you're already in home base, that violates all the rules of safety. And, you know, there's no law, anything can happen.
1: That, that was that, that was part. deeply terrifying yes, you're right, or the uh those are that part in Insidious where they do a jump scare in the middle of their kitchen and during daytime
2: ah yeah, yeah
1: so that's true, yeah just whenever oh, man, horror... insidious
2: is so good insidious is that. really
1: good yeah uh so this guy he he's the worst of both of those worlds. he's already a corpse, but also he kind of has this deliberate awful movement that he makes when he's chasing you, and he can melt
0: mm-hmm.
1: And bubble up under drain That's how he gets into the locker room Because they run to escape in there uh, And he bubbles up under And chases them back out into the pool Where I don't think they would had a lot of lessons At this point but Clarice figures it out She says well if he's made of acid I'll take this bottle of science And throw that at him And that should fix the problem Because he's made of water Zeke tries to hit him with a pool net Doesn't do nothing um, oh, and we also the you mentioned you touched on it a bit the backstory, which isn't a hundred percent confirmed, but we figure you know the guy's done his homework. They to build the pool had to move a cemetery out of the way. Another yeah. common horror movie real estate problem. Effective
2: and in Poltergeist, which is one of my favorites of agreed.
1: all. Agreed. That's sort of yes, yeah, so the the classic. Oh, it was built on an Indian burial ground. Sorry, yeah, guys. I'll-
2: Although I will say I, I appreciate that neither Poltergeist nor this episode went the Indian burial ground route because that yeah. is, is, is very problematic. This one was just regular old yeah. people.
1: Yeah, just a standard angry dead guy who yeah. did not like that his grave was disturbed and decided, well, now I got to drown you. That's yeah. just fair.
2: It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's dead guy logic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with it. No. Per no. se. So, I'm never going to remember the name of the chemical. She is the problem.
2: <laughs>
1: is. Except- I think
2: generic science product works perfectly <laughs> yeah. well.
1: But Zeke makes it worse because she's going to unscrew the bottle, but he knows that she's going to get her hands burned because she's got condensation on her hands. But rather than yell, wait, stop, he just spacks the bottle out of her hands and into right the pool. Right into the pool.
2: <laughs> because obviously death by drowning by dead guy is preferable to burning your hands Yeah,
1: to some mild discomfort on hands for a bit or maybe not yeah. mild discomfort probably really bad but yes I don't know, though
2: because the reason so the reason she knows this is because of the volcano at the beginning and because that was the exact combination he used to explode this volcano all over the place and then they're cleaning up the residue of it without any problem so i'm really wondering how much it would have burned but that's I don't
1: know. true too Either way, it is an overreaction. So now he forces her hand and she has to, you know, I got to dive into the pool and go get it. And then zombie man shows up. She's paralyzed with fear as he does a pretty slow, deliberate, you know, he looks how people look when they're trying to walk quickly in water. You just that's
2: true. Yeah, you know what? I hadn't noticed that, but you're right. That's that's very realistic.
1: Yeah, but she, you know, it doesn't matter because she freezes up because there's an orange zombie ghost dead guy man. Coming after her, uh, and then does he pull her out? They get her out; she survives.
2: Oh, he uh, he distracts Dead Yes, he, he jumps, jumps in, the, in. Yeah, the classic Dead daddy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Look at me, look at me instead. And then they throw it on him. Presumably, it works. I kept waiting for the reveal at the end of you know the the twist ending that they're not actually okay, but they wrap it up pretty cleanly with the narration who just says that was it they never saw him again
2: uh yeah i was really kind of waiting because i couldn't remember how it had ended and i was waiting especially as much as it kept kind of bubbling yeah i was waiting for maybe them to get away but for him to kind of you know reanimate and come back but i guess ostensibly they were in that same pool at the end when they were having their you know their cozy little moment
1: yeah, which is a weird moment because it's the two, it's Zeke and Clarice cuddled up in the raft uh, reading, a, I guess, a science book. And then he because says... That's
2: what, that's what you do when you're a geek. That's all you do. Yeah. Is you, you read about the science.
1: Yep. That's all, yeah. They have no other interests outside nope. of, you know, chemistry, biology, other sciences. Again. Well, that's,
2: when, you, when you wear glasses, you don't actually have a choice. No. You get the glasses and it comes with it.
1: It's part of it. They make you sign that at Lens Crafters when you get the it's glasses. True. They just say like, "I don't want to see no footballs out of you." <laughs> Fine. Here's a math textbook and some histories. Go. You're a nerd we'll now. Give you ten <laughs>
2: histories.
1: <laughs> if you wanted to play basketball, you should have had better eyesight. Now you get to wear these glasses <laughs> and study ancient Egypt. Get <laughs> out of here. You've You'll not set the rest of your life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was also, there's a weird bit at the end where he says, do you want to go for a swim? And she goes, sure. Which actually just means she's going to go for a swim and he's going to stay in the raft.
2: Yeah. Which on the one hand, I applaud the fact that they weren't like, and then he was never afraid of water again, because as we know from our own experience, nope. Once that happens, even if you just see it on television, you're afraid for the rest of your life. So he's not going in, but it was funny. He's like, you want to swim? Which basically means. Would you like to piss off now? Because yeah, I'm exactly. I'm reading and you're bothering me. Yeah,
1: I'm trying to read about g- genetics or whatever people with glasses read about. <laughs> he says as he wears glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's true that it's weird that she was still willing to, because I know for me, I would never even set foot in that high school again. After oh, that god, happened, because why no, take the be, chance?
2: Like, what what else are you guys hiding? yeah What else happened in the fifties? Yeah, would you kill? And what are they going to do about it?
1: Yeah, especially because we've established they had them move a cemetery. What if they forgot another body? And there's an angry dude in the gym.
2: That's true. Yeah, there could be dead bodies all over the place. Yeah,
1: maybe they were calm until like, oh my god, that guy was the pool guy was my best friend. Now I'm mad, so I'm going to haunt the, the culinary section.
2: Yeah, science that, bitches. What are you going yes. to quote us now? <laughs> uh,
1: and that's that's the end of the episode. And then the, the part that always, even as a, as a kid, made me mad. So we cut back to the campfire, and they have to vote on whether Stig's story is enough to get him at, uh, as a member of the Midnight Society. And that vote has to be unanimous. And they don't let him in. Yeah. He just delivered you one of the best episodes of this show. But did they,
2: they gave him more chances, right? They said he could come back. Just, did he, do you know if he ever ended up being a member?
1: I do, um, because I remember the the follow-up story he tells that gets him in is, I don't know if you remember the one where Ryan Gosling, I don't think he's the star. I think he's just the older brother, but it's about Gilbert Gottfried runs this radio station for dead people and this kid, I'm, I'm trying to remember the details. It's about like this tid, kid tunes into a radio station that's only supposed to be heard by dead people. And then he goes to the station wow. and they go, Oh, you must be a dead person. He's like, no, I'm alive. He's like, no, alive people don't come here. You're a dead person. And you know, it's supposed to be scary, but it's Gilbert Godfrey, And you're like, you're the parrot <laughs> from Paladin. I can't be frightened <laughs> by you. I just can't.
2: I don't remember that one, but I'm, I have a feeling I probably have watched it, but I will say one thing that this really made me think is that I need to just purchase all the seasons. Like I think they're available now for the last time I looked, which was numerous years ago, but the last time I looked, you simply couldn't get it. There was nowhere to get it.
1: One of my biggest regrets is I think I was in college. They started releasing these on DVD for the first time and it was exciting. And I got the first couple, but also I was in college and couldn't really afford, are you afraid of the dark DVD sets? So by the time I was ready to go, they were gone. Yeah. And so I just have 1 and 2 sitting on my shelf all sad. And then they tried it again a few years ago and I happily rebought them again and then I think they got to season 3 and went, "Well, only this kid's buying them." So <laughs> I don't think we're going to bother God with for the streaming. rest. Yes. <laughs> um, I did actually find out cuz I, I had the same thought as you after this is, "Man, I just want to watch all of these now." There's a local guy here in Ottawa who's sell who puts I don't know if it's particularly on the up and up, but he does sell them as a DVD collection through Etsy. Might have
2: to look into that. But because yeah. this this was something that really was making me think, kind of what we talked about earlier with like, you know, what we're going to expose our kids to and, and at what age and everything. And it, you probably run into the same thing. My husband and I have different ideas about that because he remembers very clearly the sort of things and imagery that gave him nightmares when he was little. And so he's been trying to avoid exposing our son to that, which is admirable because much like hot sauce, I don't have a good gauge for that. I'll mm-hmm. say something is not spicy at all. And my poor child is, you know, crying and we're trying to pour milk down his throat <laughs> to, because it's, I just had, I hadn't, it didn't register. So, you know, with horror, I'm kind of the same way, but I felt like he's definitely shown an affinity for the spooky stuff. He's into um, Scooby-Doo now.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, that, which is a good, r- real good gateway.
2: Yeah, it is, because when he gets a little bit worked up about it, it's very much like, oh, it's a guy in a suit. And that's just a a thing we keep reminding him. But just especially the way it was done, the way it was – I just love the the way it comes on, especially like it's Halloween. I I just want to sit and watch these. And I feel like it's the sort of thing that would be a good gateway for him maybe in a little while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we tried Scooby-Doo with my three-and-a-half-year-old. She liked that there was a dog, but – there wasn't as much to grab her. She didn't seem scared. She just kind of seemed like there wasn't enough, you know, not quite, maybe not quite there yet.
2: Yeah. Well, I've noticed too. It's like they're, my son is two and a half. And for him, like for a long time, we couldn't get him interested in anything that didn't like have a chick in it straight off the bat. Like if you tried to make him watch anything that, that started with just dudes, he was like, mm,
0: mm -mm, this
2: Mm. is not for me. He's, he's very like, He's very female-centric, so yeah. it was, in, you know, he likes Daphne on uh, Scooby-Doo, but he's he's very into Scooby and Shaggy now, so.
1: I mean, they are kind of the best characters.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's Dead Man's flow. Do you think, yeah. in your opinion, what would watching it, when was the last time you, because I hadn't seen it probably in 15 years before sitting down to watch it last night, so. Oh,
2: gosh, yeah, I'd say probably 25. Five for me maybe because I'm I'm 38 so I mean I'm trying to think when I mean that was out like early 90s right when
1: uh, I, I'll look it up I think that was probably like 95 96 let's see Tale of the Dead Man's Float aired October 7th 1995 Jesus yeah. I was 11 years old no wonder this kind of messed me up
2: right like yeah, I am thinking, I'm like, don't show my kid anything with this kind of, you know, if I ever want him to experience water.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, if you ever, exactly, if you wanted to, you can let him have swimming lessons first and then show him, like, this is why you needed to learn, so you can get away from this.
2: <laughs> yes, this is why we swim, to avoid yeah. dead people.
1: This is a documentary they made about a pool in the 90s. Oh, God. <laughs> what can happen? It's all make-believe, right? No, 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 no.
2: This is just the uh, reenactment, but it actually happened.
1: Yeah. Like an Unsolved Mysteries episode. Like, oh, yeah, totally. This is just, there's a one in four chance a pool has a dead guy in it. You need to be ready.
2: (laughs) I don't think they release those figures often enough, you know?
1: Oh, you don't want to go to swimming lessons anymore? Oh, well.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Good, because I got tired of getting up early on Saturdays.
1: Yeah, driving that hour to get to the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so do you think, do you think it holds up?
2: I do. I, I very much do. I, you know, as we kind of covered, there's obviously some, some plot weaknesses, Yeah. but I think they were wise not to, not to hinge too much upon that. Because again, it's your audience, the preteens and, and kids are not gonna, not gonna notice or care that much about it. They're going to care about the in the moment experience mm-hmm. of it, which I think is, was definitely effective.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Outside of the that one kind of fake-out jump scare with the friend, they don't do a lot of that. Like They give you pretty legitimate reasons to be afraid. Uh, it's pretty suspenseful at times, and they also... Like that creature design on the orange dead man, zombie ghost, water man. I think I just keep adding more nouns every time I describe them. <laughs> Is really good As, because again, you don't expect it. You think it's just going to be a kind of a cheap-looking like dude in a bedsheet rising out of a pool. Nope.
2: No, no. It's I, I'd be proud to to use that in in a movie that I made. You know.
1: Agreed. Oh yeah, very well done. So, our first episode of our three-episode arc gets a thumbs up.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: Um, I think. I'm trying to remember now, the other two maybe we're doing the Crimson Clown is another episode, uh. um, and the Tale of the Quicksilver, where a ghost is coming out of a wall. I just remember that one really freaking mm. me out as a kid.
2: This is why I'm I'm just gonna buy the seasons. But even if yeah. I just buy them on YouTube, I'm gonna do it. I gotta watch it.
1: Yeah. These are good because it was tempted. To, it was tempting to cheat and just watch the episodes first and go, "That was scary." I'll give them that one. It's like, no, that's not gonna be fun. It's like part of this whole whole podcast is the risk of watching something and going, I'm sorry, I really remember that being better. (laughs) I'm sorry I made you guys watch Space Jam. I thought it was fun when I was 10. If you ever want to hear pure rage, go back and listen to our Space Jam episode.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, putting that on my list.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, Laurel.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, for having me on.
1: For joining me here today. Uh, as mentioned, I will put links up for Whispers in the Dark and Crossroads. Uh, if anyone is, you know, we're all, it's a, of all the things going on right now, it is a great time to pick up a book and read some books. Uh, myself, and I've talked to a few people, even just on this show, who have gotten way back into reading. So if that's you, or even if you're just thinking about it, or even if you're not, you should.
2: Yes, absolutely. And there there is so much wonderful indie horror out there. So Um, much. And, you know, novellas are super fun right now because they're just easy to breeze through. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've read some fantastic stuff this year.
1: Yeah. I last year ended my reading challenge at three this year. I am at 65. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. So if you're like me and you know, you're like, Oh, I love horror. And you, you know, you kind of read your one or two horror books a year. You don't even need to do too deep a dive to find out how much fantastic stuff is out there. So there'll be yep. so many links to check out in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to right now, if you're drive, pull over, go look at the show notes. Amazon works on your phone. Buy yeah, some just books. don't waste
2: the time. Just hit, hit the button. And yeah. that's like getting presents in the mail from yourself. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. And, you know, then you can email me afterwards to go, oh, my God, you were so right. Thank you. And then I'll <laughs> yeah. be happy because someone emailed the show. So everybody wins. That's the important part. That's the important part. All right. Thank you very much, Laurel. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to put some sort of an editing effect here to note that the episode, uh, we're transitioning to another segment. So enjoy whatever I decided right here. What is it? hello welcome to the second segment of our are you afraid of the dark i'm gonna at this point call it an extravaganza because this (laughs) this thing is going to be an epic by the looks of it hopefully i found a cool transition noise or something from segment one to segment two i guess we'll find out Uh, i am joined in our second segment by another special guest would you care to introduce yourself
3: Yes. Hi, I'm Sonora Taylor. Um, I've written several short story collections and novels, including Little Paranoia's Stories, Seeing Things, and Without Condition. Um, And you can find me online at S-O-N-O-R-A-W-R-I-T-E-S dot com.
1: Perfect. Perfect. And I will, I, as I've mentioned in the first segment, I will be putting up some some links in the show notes. So if anyone listening, and you absolutely should, I will be honest and say I have not read Without Condition yet, but I have read Little Paranoias, and I burned through seeing things in a single sitting wow. just last weekend, which... <laughs> Thank
3: you. I have
1: two children. That is not easy to do. <laughs> but the trick is to just kind of ignore them for like an hour. And, you know... <laughs> daddy's working (laughs) here's an apple thank you i appreciate that (laughs) yeah so highly recommended especially because we're talking about are you afraid of the dark so if anyone listening is a fan of anthologies easy recommendation for little paranoia is because it's i think is it 20 stories and
3: yeah it's well it's 20 stories um but it's divided between longer short stories flash fiction and poetry so the majority of the story the stories are like two pages long so yeah. it sounds daunting when you hear 20 stories but I think only like four or five of them are more than 10 pages and the rest are pretty short yeah
1: it lends itself very well to I have a few minutes I'm getting, and you can you know knock out a knock out a short story and feel productive and also enjoy some good short stories so a little paranoia is <laughs> an easy there's a one of the longer stories about Instagram actually when it was when I was done reading I was like that needs to be in an anthology show
3: no, oh. like, that's
1: <laughs> very I, w- I don't want to say anything more than that, but it is a very good spin on a classic tale brought into modern times using a social media influencer and
3: Oh, yes. Yeah. And I actually, um, I actually wrote that one for a contemporary Poe anthology. Uh, and that's where it first appeared. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: I-, I won't say more than that. But it is a very okay. good modern adaptation. So I will post some links. In the notes, uh, as we've kind of been saying as a running theme throughout this episode, there is so much good horror out there. And I want people to, as I have become aware of it this year, become aware of that. So take a look at these. You are absolutely not going to regret it. But we are also here to talk about and to introduce you. Yeah. To the world of Are You Afraid of the Dark?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's like I was familiar with it through commercials because I grew up watching Nickelodeon, uh, but I was mostly watching Doug, Rugrats, um, and repeats of The Muppet Show and Rocco and all that. And yeah, even though I liked horror as a kid, Are You Afraid of the Dark missed my radar. I don't remember if I wasn't allowed to watch it. I mean, at the time, my parents were kind of go- like pretty conservative. And so I wasn't, you know, allowed to watch a lot of the. Teenager shows like that one yeah. Or I guess like older kids even I forget if it was TV 14 or TV Y7 I think it might have been I think
1: Y7. it would pr- probably yeah, have skewed a little More towards Y7 Yeah
3: because it's it would not scare a teenager um, But you know If you're five which was about when I was Watching Nickelodeon that probably would have been terrifying Oh yeah <laughs> especially coming
1: off of You know Doug If you yeah. went from Doug straight <laughs> or, or into Murder Clown <laughs> So you were still into horror around that time? Was it more because you said your parents were conservative? Were you more, you know? sneaking off to watch it or
3: it's funny they were conservative about shows where they thought uh, their biggest thing was they didn't want me watching a lot of shows where kids were disrespectful of their elders but they were also into scary things and so i was watching things like edward scissorhands and um the nightmare before christmas and you know like some benign horror movies um and they're both really into horror too i mean my mom got me into stephen king when i was 14 so they um like they definitely were keeping horror things in the house I just yeah I just wasn't watching Are You Afraid of the Dark and for all I know I mean I may have just not been interested in it I don't remember not being allowed to watch that I was just you know guessing that maybe I wasn't allowed to watch that (laughs) Uh,
1: it's and it's tricky too because someone who did watch this show a lot. There's a lot of pressure that comes with introducing someone to it now. Uh, So the root, because it's not just yourself, we're introducing someone else in this episode to uh, to Are You Afraid of the Dark as well. So I chose to go with episodes that I remembered scaring me Mm -hmm. pretty specifically because then, you know, you get that hopefully it holds up, which is the whole idea of what we're doing on this show is seeing... Are these things at all effective now as an adult? So I kind of just threw the dart and remembered, I thought this clown episode was pretty scary as a kid. So let's Mm -hmm. roll the dice. Uh, Clowns as a whole, because they're obviously a staple in the horror genre, are they, do they hit your horror button at all? Or are you mostly, what's your stance on clowns in the horror world?
3: It's dependent on the clown, because um, I'm not inherently afraid of clowns, like when my parents would take me to the circus. um, I wasn't afraid of them. Although there is like, I just remember there's a birthday video of me, like where a clown came in with balloons and started singing happy birthday. And I, for some reason, got scared and like ducked and hid my face in the rug. But then, you know, they were like, uh, probably more because I was surprised and not because I was afraid of the clown. Because then, you know, when my my mom was like, oh, Sonora, they're here to say you happy birthday i'm like i see the balloons and then i point up at it like i want the white balloons it was <laughs> one at the very top of the so you know quick recovery but yeah i wasn't like i'm not super afraid of clowns i will say the clown scene is the only one i think is scary in poltergeist but that's more because of the setup than it being a clown
1: yeah that is um, a really did, well executed sequence
3: yeah and i did notice they kind of paid tribute to it in that episode because there's the part where sam was the the brat kid right
1: yeah, Sam and Mike, I believe. Michael, yeah. Mike, yeah.
3: And so Sam, like, did there was a shot of Sam looking over under his bed that was lifted directly from Poltergeist. But, um, you know, I could tell, though, it was out of homage and not, you know, trying to steal from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of with you on the clown thing. And I also agree that in the video, the surprise clown. No one wants it. There's no scarier clown (laughs) than sudden clown.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's just like,
1: (laughs) I don't blame you for going, Oh no, the situation's changed and this is not okay.
3: Yeah. I mean, jump scares always get me like, uh, like even though it takes a lot to scare me on a deeper level, like even if you took me on some like crappy carnival haunted house thing, if stuff was jumping out at me, I'd be like, shitting my pants you yeah. know because I, I hate that <laughs> yes agreed uh,
1: yeah I'm not necessarily scared of clowns I'd prefer they not be around mm-hmm. but if yeah. one is around I'm not gonna be well I was gonna say I wouldn't be you know huddled over a corner I still might be but not so much out of fear as I just don't want to deal with this
3: yeah, I'm more upset with the, like, them being in your face type of thing, yeah. so as long as they're leaving me alone, I really don't care. <laughs> <You know>?
1: Agreed, <laughs> yes, as long as clowns are over there, yeah, we have no issues. Like,
3: if they're entertaining small children which is what they're supposed to do then that that's fine <laughs> yeah. if they
1: start it's like when you go to the theme park and the dudes in costume start coming it's like you know what no there's children you go interact with them. i don't want any part of. oh else. yeah no
3: i trust me this is for a whole other podcast but being a teenager slash college student who would go to disney world and unironically wait in line to get her picture taken with the characters there were plenty of the characters that felt like they could hit on you because they were in costume yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: <laughs> would you and we'll get into the episode momentarily would you consider because you mentioned jump scares are kind of is that kind of your your we'll call it your horror button yeah like, I
3: mean well it's my button in the sense that that's one of the only things that will like scare me scare me although if a movie's just full or is full of jump scares that won't really do it yeah but that's probably also why um books don't really scare me. I mean, I enjoy reading horror, but they don't like terrify me or give me nightmares the way that like some people do when they read horror because I'm not getting the jump scare. It's more likely that I'm going to be unsettled, but that's honestly like I think the best horror is unsettling as opposed to like jump scares, like stuff that sticks with you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so
1: I, I, yeah, I agree in that I find a jump scare. In the moment, convinces you that wow, that was scary. But when mm-hmm. you walk away from it, it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really stay with you because yeah, you got that jolt out of me. Mm-hmm. You did it. I when the person grabbed his friend and a loud noise played, it worked. But... Yeah,
3: or like especially if it's an anticipation with a payoff. Those are my favorites, especially in film, is when you know it's like tracking and. You just, especially if you've seen a horror movie, you like see all the setup, and you like know someone's going to jump out of somewhere, but you're still there, just like I don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> like it, like that's one of the reasons why Sinister was so effective because yes. they would build up to oh the jump, God. and there'd be a, a rewarding jump as opposed to just like here's something falling out of a ceiling yeah. <laughs> or a bang,
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> that lawnmower scene in Sinister is on. Un- bearable
3: no No. oh my god although um i think barbecue is the one that scared me barbecue is real good too god yeah like and then and yeah just i actually just bought that movie and my husband will has never seen it and i might be showing him that later so we'll see if the marriage lasts after i make him watch the movie
1: (laughs) we have to be careful then because we're saying a lot of stuff about it now when a lawnmower shows up he'll know what to look for
3: Yeah, well, you know, he he knows There were a lot of people talking about that scene anyway When it came out, so It's true,
1: yeah It's one of those ones where all you need to say is Sinister Lawnmower Mm -hmm. And looking at your face when I said Sinister Lawnmower (laughs) Summed it up perfect
3: (laughs) Painting with my family Oh, God
1: (laughs) Oh, now now I do want to watch Sinister
3: Was that first one called Hanging Out? Like, did they seriously go there with the 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 opening credits one? Ah, Yeah. They
1: might have, actually. Oh, my God. (laughs) I might have to do a, and maybe even it's lesser sequel. We'll have to see.
3: (laughs) I have not seen the sequel. I didn't bother.
1: Yeah. I would say it is probably not worth your time.
3: Hmm. But we're getting off of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Sorry, yes. I, I tend so, to pull people on oh. tangents. <laughs> there is one,
1: yeah. If there's one thing to know about, actually two things to know about this show. One, you can curse. No worries about that.
3: Good, <laughs> because I already happened. <laughs> and two,
1: we are all about tangents, especially once we started recording remotely, because it's just nice to be able <laughs> to talk to another person
3: yeah
1: it turns into (laughs) whatever you've got me
3: talking about movies and or television like big cinematic stuff because even though I love writing I'm a big film buff like I minored in film studies so I just love talking about yeah I know so I love talking about the way like I tend to think cinematically when I write like that's you know how I like a story to
1: play Mm -hmm. out so well speaking of big blockbuster cinema we watched the tale of the crimson clown yes <laughs> are you so, afraid yeah of the dark? um
3: yeah and it's so funny yeah i i you know like i said i'd never seen an episode of are you afraid of the dark before and one of my first takeaways i do have to say is that the acting was not good um at least in the campfire scene
1: you are like, absolutely correct um, we didn't actually get into it too much in the uh, the last episode that we talked uh in the first segment that we talked about because i think the acting was you know totally fine that it didn't stand out but i yeah. definitely wrote in my barely <laughs> decipherable handwritten notes yeah. that boy the acting took a steep drop in this episode
3: yeah like i mean just you know they have the whole thing like with the guy hitting on the one girl i don't remember all their names um Um,
1: those ones i do because it's just i've seen the show enough so yeah (laughs) we we kick off with uh the midnight society segment and frank is aggressively hitting on some i know
3: it was like just kind of like wow this is like problematic on multiple levels like you know you have and then and then um you know then the nerdy guy came in with his brother and
1: (laughs) yeah it actually it kind of shines a light on in the last episode that we took a look at it opens with in the midnight society segment them going uh frank has moved away at that point and they're finding Uh, a new member for the group and they're very nonchalant about it like you know it's kind of sad frank's gone but i'm really excited we get to bring someone in and then you see this episode from before then and realize, oh, it's because Frank's an asshole. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's like, why was Frank even allowed in the society?
1: Yes, like right there is they should have held a vote and went, I'm I mean, his story was freaky, but I'm just not cool with the sexual harassment, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not. So well, maybe I, no.
3: Yeah. And um, and yeah, I also it was, and it was also problematic in the other direction because like I don't know um, a lot about the actor but you have an actor who who is much um, more brown than the white guy who at the end of the episode gets the girl and says to stop being a nerd and it definitely was kind of coming across as like this aggressive person going after like the white woman and um you know, being like very, you know, intense. And so I was just like, you have multiple things happening there that just like aren't okay in any show yeah. for anyone. And to give
1: a sense of uh, we, of course, we always recommend people go watch the episode and it's on, apparently we found yeah. out in Canada, it's just free for everyone. So go and check out Crimson Clown and then, you know, come back. But if you haven't seen it, it's very like mad men 1950s, yeah. like <laughs> arm around her, like, you know yeah. what I see? I see me and you going out this Friday night. <laughs> and then the her other girlfriend just says, I'm gonna stay out of this. I yeah, like, this it's is like, all horrible. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to say. You could start by saying yes, like someone, <laughs> like tell this guy to go home.
3: I you know, get, right? Yeah, like no, you don't it get was to just... hear a
1: scary story.
3: It was like really embarrassing. Like I just felt maybe the reason the acting was so bad in that episode is because the script was bad. Like, you know, they're just like, we're trying to work with what we have here.
1: (laughs) It doesn't, again, it didn't seem, the acting seemed fine in a lot of other episodes, but I didn't find it picked up too much in the actual Crimson Clown story itself. I found, I mean, Mike, I guess was fine, but Sam He kind of works on this flat Emotional level the whole time Even when things start to get scary So it's a lot of like Mike, Mike the Crimson Clown is here Oh Mike, no Mike
3: Yeah, I had the sense that um, I'm sure they hired someone with experience, but they weren't, like, pulling in, like, a seasoned child actor to do this. Um, Although, in a way, uh, and this kind of goes for the opening and closing host segments, too, is that, you know, it was almost a little charming that the acting wasn't good, like, because it meant that they weren't, like you know trying to be overly stylistic with this like show for kids that's you know just teaching lessons through horror you know like as long as they could read a line i mean yeah
1: it's not <laughs> i was about to say it's not distractingly bad it kind of <laughs> is because we both made a note about it but it isn't like i've seen way worse
3: yeah yeah way worse yeah, well, like, I remember, like, actually, another show I wasn't allowed to watch when I was younger was married with children, but that's for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I was re-watching an episode, I think, like, five or six years ago with a friend of mine, and it was horrendous. Like, the acting is terrible. Like, the laugh track is off. Like, I would say that the acting from Frank and Samantha was much higher caliber than what I would see in Married with Children Some on a regular go. basis. Yeah. That's not too bad. <laughs> um, um,
1: yeah, the... I mean, they did give, there have been, I don't, I can't say they gave birth to a lot of big actors, but Ryan Gosling has shown up on a couple of these. Mm -hmm. And so there are some episodes that you can look back on and go, you know, oh, Ryan Gosling or Jay Baruchel. I think um, Nev Campbell, I think, shows up in a later episode. And
3: I was trying to like see if anyone in the episode I saw grew up into somebody I was familiar with, but I don't think that was the case. But yeah, I was wondering if like, there were now famous people on that show, like when they were younger, just getting started. Um, I'll have to look into that later.
1: Yeah. I know eventually Alicia Cuthbert becomes a Midnight Society member.
3: Oh, that's funny.
1: So <laughs> I'm sure she raised things up at least a little bit, but they, they those are the Brian Gosling, I think, is definitely the biggie.
3: Now, but was he in the Midnight Society or was he like in a story? No,
1: he shows up in at least one or two core stories. Okay. I right, now of. i'm
3: tempted to like famous people who were on are you afraid of the dark but i don't want to like distract myself during the during uh the recording
1: <laughs> i might also do it in the background but those are yeah. the ones that stand out and gilbert godfried oh he wow shows, <laughs> he shows up in the ryan gosling episode
3: oh so that was like a packed episode that was yeah. when they got a budget <laughs> that
1: was the avengers of are you afraid of the dark
3: <laughs> and you know i'll also say in all fairness like um the show tales from the crypt some of their episodes didn't have much better acting in it. Like, um, I mean, some were really great. I mean, that's my favorite anthology show, but, um, there were others that it's like, Oh, you, you, you know, like you, you weren't putting the budget into the casting director. For yeah. this one.
1: <laughs> I can't imagine. Are you afraid of the dark was swimming in cash. So I'm sure it was just <laughs> like what you said. They could read the lines.
3: Yeah. That's fine. Whereas- Whereas, you know, our uh, tale, Tales from the Crypt had the HBO money, <laughs> yes,
1: this had the Canadian Nickelodeon money, so
3: <laughs> which I still think it's funny that like Nickelodeon was the way that a lot of Canadian kids' shows got down to the states because, like, you and I mentioned before this, you know, Degrassi, The Next Generation, was on the end, which was, um, on which was like the teenage component. Of noggin which in turn was like the educational channel that nickelodeon started when they expanded into digital cable and so i think that was how degrassi the next generation got such a huge following down here because you know it was just a show where like everything was happening um <laughs> that's what's so
1: great about degrassi is <laughs> you watch most shows about teenagers and you know one in one season you get a pregnancy and maybe a death degrassi could knock both of those out in one yeah. commercial segment,
3: yeah, and there was that whole controversy about how they wouldn't air the episode in the states where Manny got an abortion.
1: Uh, oh, I forgot that that was a thing, yeah,
3: yeah, because Craig got her pregnant, yeah, <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, wow, Degrassi, yeah, that's no, a whole so so much happening De- on De-
3: that show. We haven't <laughs> done a Degrassi like...
1: episode yet because, again, that's a big one, I don't know how to tackle that one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, crimson clown let's uh, yes (laughs) my first question for you before we actually get into what because it won't take too long to summarize the plot but (laughs) my first question is how old do you think these two boys were supposed to be in the fiction of this episode
3: i thought sam was supposed to be like seven maybe eight and that michael was supposed to be like 11 or 12
1: okay i feel like yeah they were written to be younger than the actors they hired to portray them because yeah. mike looks like he's 13 or 14 mm-hmm. and it was distracting the whole time because there's all this talk about you have to watch your little brother and he has you know you, you can't do this and all very hands-on mom but the line that also really did it is when there's a part where that she's scolding them because they got home later than she wanted them to and she's yelling at the older brother about all the things. You still need to eat dinner. You mm. still need to take a bath. Which... Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I'm thinking like, I'm thinking an 11 year old needs to take a bath. <laughs>
1: like... And he also, yeah, he looks like he's at least 13 or 14. Yeah. So. so I'm pretty sure most of us stopped taking baths the moment we realized showers were an option.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Although then as an adult, you start taking them again for self-care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but i don't think that was yeah. why he would <laughs>
1: i don't remember i'm pretty sure yeah by age seven or eight my parents <laughs> figured look he's, he's he's got it figured out yeah so they not gonna fall over <laughs> yeah so at that point the whole thing kind of felt weird because it did feel almost like in the script you know sam age six and mike age ten yeah but then when they went to hire they got a 11 year old and a 15 year old and yeah <laughs> Although I would question a store that would
3: sell a five year old a video game, even if he had $50.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, Sam. So the, the crux of the episode is Sam is the bad kid, Mike is the good kid.
3: Mm-hmm. Goofy um, and gallant. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I wrote in my notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mike has saved up, good old Mike, he has been saving up his paper root money to buy a gift for their mom for, for her birthday. He has raised $70. So they go to this second hand antique shop, a weird kind of knickknack store where he has decided that I'm going to get this garden <laughs> ornament of a man fishing and I'm going to pay $70 for this. <laughs>
3: And then also, my favorite character in the whole episode showed up then. Can I handle (laughs) Joe? What
1: was
3: up with that shot boner?
1: And I'm also pretty sure he went full used car salesman because the kid doesn't look at it for a price. He just goes, How much is it? And he's just like, For you, all the money you have. It's like, That thing could have been $10. You just didn't look you said out loud I have $70 to spend mistake one
3: and also when so when the man came on screen I mean he is kind of like my first thought is that he looks like the security guard in human centipede too
1: (laughs) oh my god he kind of does
3: yeah so maybe that's his day job oh no (laughs) But yeah, no, and he's there like, anything in the store. <laughs> and you could also tell that, like, he, there were a couple times where, like, there was a noted pause before he would start talking as if yeah. he was, like, being directed, like, you're lying, man, you're lying. <laughs>
1: That's one of my favorite things in kind of, let's say, lower budget cinema and TV <laughs> is the clear half second between action and doing the thing. <laughs> that got left in the final product (laughs) yeah they really really told him like you're a creepy shopkeeper and that guy's (laughs) like this is my moment
3: And that's, like, like whenever you watch, like, a bad movie on MST3K and, like, you can tell the editing is non-existent because they're, like, waiting to start walking, like, in the scene (laughs) or, you know, they're, like, looking around or they, like, leave the frame and it stays on the scene for, like, two seconds too long (laughs) while they're turning off the camera.
1: (laughs) That is kind of the level that we're dealing with here. But, yeah, oh, shopkeeper. Wow. (laughs) They told him to go to 10 and he just, like, why stop there? (laughs) Um,
3: so, now I have a question though Like that toy store next door didn't look like One that would be selling video games Is that accurate? Like because at least down here In the states like you know the, the video games were at Toys R Us Or they were like at Walmart or something Uh Yeah
1: same here Um I can't think of too many crossover Because it definitely looked like a local Locally yeah, owned toy store and, Like with
3: teddy bears and dolls and stuff. Yeah I then, can't <laughs>
1: As someone who bought a lot of toys and video games, I am struggling to think of much, besides like you said, Toys R Us, much crossover there. But their window just seemed like whatever the studio or the, the filmmakers had lying around. It was this uh, video game controller, teddy bear, doll, train track.
3: It looks like a leftover set from like a Christmas thing. Like yeah. I definitely was getting a Christmas story vibe when like the two brothers are walking by the toy shop window and Sam's like, wow. It's like the train set or something. It makes sense
1: <laughs> that we didn't see the interior of that store. It's like, we already <laughs> decorated this other one. We're not doing two. You get a window display.
3: Yeah. And you don't even see the shopkeeper. He just goes close. Yeah. <laughs> like- oh
1: man. And. At what? So I guess, I guess maybe because at that point we know. I guess it must be six. What place is closing? What toy store is closing at six
3: p.m.? A <laughs> locally a local, a local I, toy store that's not doing a lot of business. Maybe I don't know. Like <laughs>
1: so, yeah. Sam's. No, I was gonna say we're gonna, skipping stuff, but not really. Sam steals the. Mo- <laughs> we find out a little later, but we know that Sam has stolen his mom's birthday money. And gone next door and used it to buy, I think, what's supposed to be kind of an off brand Sega Genesis game, which is made even worse because something you should know is it drives me insane in movies when video game logic is just bad, and it mm-hmm. often is like when someone's playing with a controller and they're just hammering buttons. Yeah. <laughs> That's never how any video game has been played. But here he buys what looks like a Sega Genesis game, goes home, does not own a Sega Genesis.
3: It, I noticed that too. I'm like, what? I'm like, wait, that's not an NES game, but he nope. has an NES. <laughs> yep.
1: And I'm looking around the frame to see maybe he's got both. It's like, no kid had both
3: i mean at best you could say it looked like he had an atari game but that also wouldn't be playable on an nes no he he didn't even have a super nintendo cartridge like as i learned from the documentary um uh high score like nothing between sega and nintendo would have been compatible with each other because they were separate companies for (laughs) at least then
1: (laughs) and he doesn't even play it he just puts it yeah. on the shelf and then goes he about his it, day. maybe a
3: cut scene because they did keep showing that he was buying a game with a clown like it was called like Zeppo the Clown or something like so
1: that so that. that's actually a callback to a different episode there is oh. a Zeppo uh. the Clown uh, that is the other Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, Clown episode which is also I remember being freaky but not. I don't have as much of an attachment so I went with this one because this one stood out more I'm now wondering if I just liked this episode because I saw a video game in it.
0: <laughs> and maybe
1: that was just very appealing to me. Uh, so Sam comes back and reveals like, oh, I went you know, you don't have your money because I went and I bought this video game. And then Mike on the seemingly on the spot, just comes up with this urban legend of the Crimson clown because he sees a creepy clown doll on the shelf, does not sell it with any enthusiasm. He's just still like, oh, <laughs> do you see that? When a bad kid does a bad thing, the Crimson Clown gets him. So watch out, Sam. (laughs) So I'm wondering, do you think, because it's not long before the Crimson Clown does indeed start coming after Sam, so do we think that all of it is just in Sam's head, like it is, he's just having nightmares or there's, there's a scene where he's watching TV and then a clown arm Mm-hmm. comes out of the tv and tries to grab him so we could stand a reason that he fell asleep in front of the tv and had a bad dream or do we think that mike just got crazy lucky and actually <laughs> happened to reference a real thing
3: i, I don't know i mean like because there was the part where right after michael tells sam the story sam turns around and the clown isn't on the shelf anymore that's true It's possible the used car salesman like crept up and was like, I'll talk the clown, (laughs) you know, like to keep the myth going because he overheard them arguing. But yeah, I mean, because everything else could plausibly just be in Sam's mind. And that was something that the episode did really well is that they never had the clown encounter anyone else except sam so that you could keep guessing if it was just a nightmare or, or something uh because it's not like you know michael came in the room and was like holy shit a clown you know like <laughs> so um yeah i don't even know i mean it would have also been funny to think that maybe michael like bought the clown on the sly and <laughs> this, started torturing sam this is gonna be
1: so fucking funny
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially if he could have figured out the tv like ah
1: that one, man <laughs> i will say even as an adult that part was still a little off-putting
3: it was pretty creepy and it was also very cronenberg like it yeah. reminded me of videodrome
1: yeah um, so. uh, to set it up to uh, sam is watching a public domain movie on tv with very generic sound effects <laughs> yeah. and then uh the doors slam shut the lights go off and so the Crimson Clown kind of has two different voices that he uses in this episode, and the one that he uses when he's coming out of the TV is the more standard. I don't even know if I'll be able to do it, like higher pitched, like "Oh Sam, the Crimson Clown," kinda, more like that. And it is very, You've been very naughty. Yeah, are, you've been very bad, Sam. Well, that's not as too high pitched. I did it okay the first time. You did it way better. And well, so
3: this, well, <laughs> it's like. Ah, 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 ah.
1: yeah and uh sam again not selling it terrifically as this giant clown arm reaches out of the tv to get him just kind of shields his head and goes no no stop no but
3: yeah and although it is like the slowest reaching arm it it is you you could tell that like they were they were trying to do for that Videodrome effect but without computers so it was someone like pushing a puppet hand yeah I mean it wasn't obvious in the sense that like oh look it's a puppet you know but it was like it's obvious it's not a computer either so you could tell someone was trying really hard to like push it slowly so that it was reaching for him
1: yeah (laughs) but and yeah Sam had a lot of time to to
3: yeah he could have like (laughs) Even if he like he also probably could have Kicked the arm away Like, (laughs) He
1: doesn't even try the door like yeah We see it (laughs) slam shut but you figure Anyone would at least go and try and open it Rather than just go well I guess This is it
0: (laughs) I'm
3: doomed I
1: always suspected
3: I also liked that um I did notice that when Sam like started watching the movie, they were making it apparent that he was watching a movie maybe he shouldn't be watching. Yeah, that's true. Like, or, like, yep. That bad boys watch because it was like someone being killed with a gun and there's like screaming and like ah ah, ah you know and then
1: <laughs> actually they kind of backpedal a bit. Uh do you have siblings if you don't mind? Or... Uh, yeah, I, have
3: a, I have a half brother he's okay. uh five years older than me uh we didn't grow up together but he would spend every summer with us um okay. as part of the custody agreement with our father so um yeah he would try and scare me sometimes if that's what you're leading into but... um I
1: was thinking more of the snitch side of things where oh.
3: <laughs> my wife
1: and I uh she's the oldest I'm the youngest in my mind family but we both had the conversation of wouldn't you immediately rat your sibling out if they took the money? Cause you're going to, the birthday is the next day. They have no time. Yeah. I would immediately just go and tell her I had this money saved for you. This motherfucker took it and bought that video game.
3: So I did notice they did a workaround for that. So first off they had Sam see the mother first. Um, And so that may have been a little weak, like maybe Michael could have like said something right when he came in the door. But then when the mom started accusing Michael of everything, she said, I don't want to hear another word from you go to your room. Uh, I mean, he still could have been like, it was Sam, it was Sam. But, you know, Sam's going to be doing like the whole good son thing. Like, it wasn't me, mother. Yeah, (laughs) they do
1: kind of. (laughs) <laughs> hint that he has the mom wrapped around his finger. That yeah, he,
3: she, he's definitely the baby in the family. Yeah. Um. My brother and I did not really have a snitch dynamic, probably because uh, we didn't live together. But also I I do think it's a little different, like when it's like a like one boy, one girl, like a brother and sister. I mean, I'm sure there's snitching between brothers and sisters, but there was also such a huge age gap between us uh, that like, I, I just don't think we were really like, Plotting to tell on the other person. I mean, you know, if anything, I, you know, I was good at like, <laughs> you know, not tattling. Yeah. So,
1: let's <laughs> right, well, see. So you had no concern of the Crimson Clown coming, anyway. So you, yeah, pretty much. Fine. But all,
3: also, Matt, never, Matt, my brother, never stole seventy dollars from me <laughs> to buy a video game instead of some creepy clown, like a uh, fishing statue for our dad.
1: <laughs> Actually, Sam got a pretty decent deal, unlike Mike, just throwing money at this weird statue. Video games in Canada in the mid-90s definitely cost way more than $70. Oh, really?
3: Wow. (laughs) Good for him. Whereas now they're like a buck at the pawn shop. Like, if I went looking for an NES game, like, pennies.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Some. 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 Some um, are
3: worth a lot. Like, I used to have the gold cartridge, Legend of Zelda, and that probably would be worth something, but it doesn't work anymore. That's the main uh, reason. Oh, yeah. Rid of NES anymore. Sadly, it kicked the bucket. And so I got rid of it and the games um, before we moved last year. But, you know, it worked for like over 20 years. I was playing it between ages four and like 32.
1: So. For an NES, that's actually very impressive. I yeah. assume a lot of cartridge blowing still had to happen, but...
3: Oh, yeah. No, I definitely had to do, like, a sacred chant and prayer to get the games working, and only about three of the games worked at a given time. Yeah. But, you know, they were the games I liked the most. So it was, like, Legend of Zelda, Mario, Tetris, Dr. Mario, stuff like that. So, so
1: the yeah, the grails. The ones yeah. you, you kind of hope will keep... Keep on trucking.
3: I did not mind that caveman adventure did not. Oh my it.
1: God. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. that the one where you pick women up by their hair yes. and throw them. Yes. Like it's an, yes. like a, I can't think of like the Olympic event awful. that I can't think of the and name. You had of.
3: to like run your thumb around the, um the, the back and forth button uh I don't know the official term for it but basically run it in a circle and that's what created like the velocity and you threw the women by their hair and the further <laughs> they landed the more score you got it was terrible but it was seen as like a caveman olympics and you know I'm like five six whatever I don't realize how bad this is I'm just like ooh, video game <laughs> I Can't
1: even imagine if someone tried to release that now
3: well, considering, we're just... like, within the past 10 years we got, like, Vice City, I mean, I think that would be seen as tame. Yeah,
1: <laughs> maybe, actually.
3: You know, say what you will about caveman games, but you didn't get points for killing the woman. Like, that is know? true.
1: She was, I think, presumably okay after the throw, at least.
3: Yeah, she always, like, did the thumbs up if yeah. you did, like, a good a good throw. They at <laughs> least had
1: to animate that in there to go, everything's fine, she's on board. <laughs>
3: Actually, my brother and I used to like playing Rampage. We'd just spend whole afternoons trying yep. to conquer the map.
1: <laughs> Us too.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm just also going to consult my nose to make sure I did write tell on him with an exclamation mark. Yes. I was very, very pro snitch. Uh, plus yeah and speaking how old of are
3: family, they? One thing I did notice before we move on to like the second half of the episode is that um, the sound budget was really emphasizing the the silverware hitting the plates like when oh, they were didn't. eating dinner, it was like clang, clang <laughs> clang you know And I'm thinking like that's one thing that you didn't have to put that much into the no. sound for.
1: <laughs> we really have to sell that they're eating dinner, you guys. Yes.
3: He's like, scrape, scrape, scrape.
1: <laughs> Earth, the one the one sound task, he's like, oh, I can nail that one. Yeah. <laughs> the clown voice, I'll get back to you on, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. In the second half, it's when we were introduced to Crimson Clown's other clown voice. So at that point, he becomes real?
3: Chucky. <laughs> yeah,
1: in that there, I mean, yeah, we have the the poltergeist moments where the doll is there and anytime, you know, Mike pulls the, or samples the classic horror movie move where you look away and you look back and it's gone because, you know, he's calling okay. for help. So, you know, you just got to stay laser focused on it. Cause then where's it going to go? If you just keep looking at it while you're calling for help, the doll wouldn't expect it. Mm-hmm. So there's also the doll, but then he starts to maybe have dreams. Maybe it's really happening of just a tall dude in a clown suit and like one like a mascot head it's not he's not wearing like clown makeup or anything he's just got a yeah. big
3: it's almost like kind of like a marshmallow no you know it's more like jack but the jack in the box yeah met. Got, uh, you know, like the big ping pong ball stationery. I was picturing
1: him, but I couldn't get the name because we unfortunately don't get Jack in the Box up here in Canada. Uh, so maybe
3: that's fortunate. You know, they were like one of the first big like E. coli or salmonella outbreaks like, oh. like in the early 90s or something. Okay, then yeah, maybe no. <laughs>
1: well, I still eat a lot of Taco Bell, so who knows? Maybe it'd be <laughs> fine.
3: Yeah, honestly, I've never been to Jack in the Box because they they don't have them um out where I live. Uh The big one here is Hardee's.
1: Oh, we don't so, have that either. Yeah. Uh, but if we, yeah, if we go down the path of American junk food that we don't have, this is going to be eight hours long because there's so much. Well, uh, and
3: then whenever we're watching hockey, I always notice like the stuff we don't have, like pizza, pizza.
1: <laughs> no, you're not missing anything. <laughs> if you want a pizza that was thrown together in four minutes,
3: well, that's I the also- pizza. That was also, I would get confused at first when I'd hear about pizza pizza, because that's the motto for Little Caesars, like the slogan. Oh, um, it is. Yeah, I wonder. Down here. So it's like pizza pizza. (laughs) I
1: think they have a different slogan here. And I'm wondering if that's why.
3: Probably. I mean, I'm sure that's why um, for the Great British Bake Off, that's why they call it baking show in America, because it's not because we're stupid and call it the Great British Baking Show. It's because Bake Off is like trademarked by Pillsbury or someone like that. Oh, so they can't legally call it the Great British Bake Off if it's being distributed like on an American channel. So when you watch it on like American Netflix, it's that's why they're all saying it's the Great British Baking Show, you know? <laughs> like, huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's actually, wow. There you go. We're learning something today. I had <laughs> no idea.
3: Uh, and yeah, well, we do have to stop ourselves from saying pizza pizza all the time when the Red Wings play, because now it's Little Caesars Arena. So <laughs> is
1: it actually? Oh, I guess. It is,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah they, they changed the name of their arena to Little Caesars Arena like a when, few years ago.
1: When we moved to our uh, current house, I was very excited to discover a Little Caesars not far from here. And we They're got it
3: bad. like yeah. for. mainstay delivery pizza like they're not bad like I'm actually kind of sad that the Little Caesars near us for some reason won't deliver to us even though it's like maybe two or three miles down the street
1: oh that is too bad some weird
3: like delivery districting thing it's the same thing with Lido pizza like we used to be able to get delivery from Lido pizza I I lived three miles down the road we moved three miles down the road they won't deliver to us anymore I'm like you've got to be kidding me like (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'll throw in two extra miles worth of tip guys yeah I
3: know we would pay through the nose especially during the pandemic because we haven't been able to go to the lido restaurant
1: yeah (laughs) yeah we stopped with little caesar's once we decided we didn't want to feed it to our children
3: (laughs) yeah that's probably smart
1: (laughs) it's like you get home from it on the drive and go okay i gotta get it inside quick because the box has the grease has eaten through the box and it's starting to get (laughs) onto the upholstery
3: i will say real quick and then we can get back to the episode like for so do we like do we still like this pizza hut is definitely a big one for me because when i was younger i mean it was so much better and i'm not just saying that like being you know a cranky um older millennial but just being like it was better like because they were actually meant to be like a pizza parlor and they had like the hot cast iron crust and like the sauce was really good and they had like the bucket you know medals uh, to get your pizza and I went to one I think like Eight years ago with my now husband, we, we stopped on the way to a resort we were going to. And like um, it was awful. And it like sat in my stomach like a brick. And this was like an indoor dining pizza hut. So it wasn't just like ordering it through delivery. And we had since ordered it through delivery a few times, but it's just like the magic is gone. Like yeah. they do not invest in their pizza anymore. And it's sad.
1: Yeah, you're 100% correct. We used <laughs> to do the pizza hut buffet in high school mm-hmm. all the time. we were like, this is the best. This is the best pizza ever gets. And then we ordered it maybe two years ago and we're so excited. And it's just, (laughs) no, it's hard to deal with.
3: Pizza buffets have taken a nosedive. Like um, there's maybe one good pizza buffet and it's a local pizzeria um, near us uh, in Alexandria called Bugsy's. And they they have like the good hot pizza out with the salad. And it reminds me of the way Pizza Hut like used to be. But like we have a chain here of pizza buffets called Cece's. And uh, Will put it best. He said, you go to Cece's when you've given up. Like. <laughs> bad i mean it's like it's okay in the sense that like you pay like five dollars and it's all you can eat so i understand that for cost efficiency like it's great but it's shitty pizza a guy actually brought me there on a date once and that should have been a warning like you know like don't don't go out with him (laughs) he doesn't care about you
1: yeah five as much as i love a good pizza deal oof
3: You can get $5 pizzas that are better than what you can get at CC's for all you can eat. Like, they have the macaroni and cheese pizza there. Like, stuff like that. Mm.
1: (laughs) I would totally still eat that, but I'd feel awful about myself. Not
3: not under a heat lamp for God knows how long. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. $5 (laughs) is
3: watch i'm sitting here trashing cc's and, <laughs> and you're gonna get like all these replies like yeah. cc was great what is she talking about no it's not good this
1: episode <laughs> sponsored by cc's pizza <laughs> yeah. sorry about all that shit we just said
3: um i speak for my opinions are my own <laughs> i do not speak on behalf of Lido pizza, pizza pizza hut or little caesar's
1: <laughs> i'm sure your mac and cheese pizza is just fine five dollars that's like 14 bad garden fishing display statues that's
3: great value
1: well, yeah, Crimson Clown. We, yes. <laughs> we actually have to wrap it up as I'm looking at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, in the, in the back half is when we get the clown attack and that's when we get introduced to his second voice. So yes. while the first one is the more standard clown voice, this one is definitely more like, oh, I'm going to get you, Sam, which mm-hmm. didn't work as well. <laughs> I don't know
3: you know and similarly i know i made a chucky joke earlier i always thought child's play was scarier until the like chucky started acting like the serial killer he was possessed with much scarier when he was just like i want to be your friend and like you know tripping people and stuff but then when he starts talking like a gangster and being like i'm gonna kill you i'm like yeah
1: and then the the movie the uh like they they kind of figured that too because they those movies just become comedies eventually because they're like just this yeah What else can you do? And yeah, they kind of hint that maybe the shopkeeper is because there's one point where he's wearing the shopkeeper's clothes with the clown head on, which got me to wondering, is there a reveal coming that the shopkeeper broke into his house and did this Uh, i didn't
3: notice that but maybe because i was watching it on my phone i i didn't notice that detail but um yeah that's interesting because also like he had that creepy voice you know like he's like oh you want to buy a statue (laughs) you know like maybe he could you know the
1: (laughs) maybe yeah it's funny yeah it's when he first wakes up in the toy store but i guess it uh, that illusion that it could be the shopkeeper messing with him goes away once the clown's head explodes into confetti um, yeah
3: which yeah that i mean i will say i mean yes it was cheesy and it wouldn't scare me as an adult but the i did think the whole clown attack scene was really well done for like a children's horror television yeah yeah like you know that would have scared me when i was younger uh, like i probably would have had nightmares after that now I'm, it's like oh cool but yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> i'm pretty sure i did um I also like that Sam does the most Canadian way to escape his situation because he's being pulled by ribbons into his closet. But thank God he lives in Canada and he's got a pair of ice skates right next to him to cut himself free. Like no. if he was anywhere in any, any other country, he's done.
3: No, I'm I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to be rude and say, oh yes, that was definitely a reminder that this was filmed in Canada. Nope. He took out because the- he also had a hockey stick by his door when the door slammed shut. But then, yeah, like you know, he takes the ice skate and cuts the ribbon, which there's got to be like some symbolism happening there. But because he's got like these red satin ribbons that are like pulling him into the abyss, and then he cuts the cord and like I don't know. <laughs> oh, maybe i'll have to like think about this a little harder even though they probably just use the red ribbons because he's a crimson clown and like
1: (laughs) but there is a deeper story to be told there and i feel like you should be the person to tell it now
3: well maybe i will it could be like a it could be called like the clown stitch or something it would be a shout out to um um carmen maria machado (laughs) we'll go buy
1: the rights to the crimson clown it won't be much i'm sure and
3: it'd be like uh like five loonies and a pizza pizza and maybe yeah. like an autographed ovechkin stick or something like
1: <laughs> i will trade you this garden <laughs> dude fishing thing god i wish i had made cleaner notes i don't know no, any.
3: i thought it was a woman i thought it was like a angel or a but, you know, I, again, it was on my phone. It looked like a Precious moment statue. And I remember thinking to myself, that's a shitty gift. Yep. Like, you know, if, if my kid had $70, I'd want jewelry. Like, <laughs> <She's>... <laughs> especially, like, she's a single mom and dealing with, you know, two boys on her own. And that that's her present.
1: <laughs> like... She might even just, because if she ever finds out you spent $70, like, you could have just <laughs> paid the fucking water bill and i would have been <laughs> so happy
3: you could have like bought me dinner for once you little ingrate yeah <laughs>
1: i don't have a garden i yeah. don't have time to maintain a garden <laughs> what am i supposed to do with this
3: no it's like um but yeah no i i did think like the scene was like pretty well done especially like for what are you afraid of the dark is, you know, yeah. like to be like kids being introduced to horror.
1: This, um, the sequence I actually, and we'll kind of get to our concluding thoughts in a second. Cause yeah, I'm looking at the time and I do have to wind us down a little here, but um, the sequence I thought worked the best. And it's interesting because in the last uh, segment we did, we talked about the grudge and specifically the scene in the grudge where the ghost appears in the, under the bed sheets. Yeah. And fittingly there's a scene in this episode when the clown first shows up or stands in bed and just the shape appears on his bed sheets while the Wait, clown's like, Oh, I'm coming, coming for you, Sam. And he starts moving. He's like, That's even as an adult, I don't like that.
3: Yeah, and that was creepy because then you know he he puts the blanket up and the clown's not there. And I think that's when Michael came in and he was like, What are you doing? You know, yeah. go to sleep. <laughs> Michael Although, comes in you and know,
1: apologizes to him. It's like, Come on, Michael. <laughs>
3: Well, maybe like Sam should have said some. Or should have realized maybe it wasn't real because I, I think he and Michael share a room, and it's, it
1: hints that they definitely do. Yeah. Oh no, it doesn't even hint they do. Yeah, because at yeah. one point he so, thinks Mike's he's sleeping like, in, like, in his
3: bed. What? Yeah, and, like the clowns in there, but like you know, Michael's just asleep. <laughs> it's
1: like. <laughs> and my final thought before we kind of give in our concluding opinions: Are we to believe then that? The next morning before mom woke up, they ran back to the store, returned to the game, got the money and then went and bought the statue because she does still get the statue the following morning.
3: I was wondering about that. Maybe they do like maybe that was like, you know, they got up like after breakfast and gave her the present because I forget like when when she was opening the present. Um, was it like later in the day or was it first thing in the morning? Like, was she in her bathrobe? I don't remember.
1: I kind of took it that it was morning because she was kind of okay. sitting there with it ready to go. And I kind of, but maybe?
3: maybe because he defeated the clown by severing the satin with the hockey skate. Like he, that he was gifted with the little snack. Well,
1: maybe, so like,
3: you know, but you by bested best me, Sam. Slash clown.
1: Here's your dumb <laughs> fucking drama. whatever knickknack thing this is. <laughs> credits
3: um and you know what i definitely um was thinking that like she was gonna open the present and like the clown was gonna pop up and i had I the same thought trying to do that
1: <laughs> no they do go with the happy ending in this one where yeah. sam has learned his lesson he's gonna be a good kid or else a clown mm-hmm. will murder him which is i mean if that's what you got to do to teach your kids what's up I'll show them this. I'll I'll gladly show my kids this episode. (laughs) Your
3: kids are acting up. you be like, well, you know, the Crimson Clown.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Or just do what Mike does and look around the room that I happen to be in in that moment and go, oh, if you don't stop yelling about dinner, the spatula man will come and get you tonight
3: if you if you don't keep quiet my gritty bobblehead will come and terrorize
1: you (laughs) that would be awful
3: (laughs) well especially because i don't want our our children to fear gritty
1: (laughs) i i am now going to have nightmares of this entire episode but it's gritty instead of the crimson clown going i'm gonna get you
3: see i would ask if that would be more canadian but considering he's the philadelphia mascot probably not like yeah it (laughs)
1: would 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 be yeah (laughs) <laughs> they got their hockey quotient in this episode for sure
3: yeah yeah especially when they're like we're gonna go skating and i remember you know being dumb american i'm thinking they're just like roller skating or something but then i see them like walking down the street with um you know the snow and the ice skates i'm like oh right they're probably uh, gonna skate and play hockey
1: <laughs> This is what we do here
3: uh, <laughs> i didn't mean it like that but <laughs> oh no
1: it's true it's what we do okay. here if you go to a canadian rink on a weekend it is packed so mm-hmm. maybe not this year but
3: oh well, yeah i mean kind of like how here you go outside your kids will be playing basketball or like throwing the football even if they're not planning to become pro you know
0: yeah like...
1: <laughs> so watching an episode of are you afraid of the dark for the first time as an adult mm-hmm. what do you think
3: Well, I definitely think, like, it's not something I would just sit down and watch in my free time because I would have needed to be a kid to really enjoy it. But I think it would be fun to revisit as an adult. And I do think it's, like, a good way to introduce kids to horror because, you know, it it is effective, even if it's a little cheesy. I mean, at least this episode, like, they, you know, they checked the marks, they had a good conclusion, they, you know... I do think horror is very effective when it's short because um, a lot of times, like once it gets past the initial scare, it starts to like drag a bit. And so that's why I really like anthology shows like that. Um, and, you know, cause I also grew up watching goosebumps. And so, you know, it's similar to that. Just it's good to have ways you can introduce kids to horror that isn't too scary or too violent because, you know, I, it's so funny um um, r-rated horror movies is the most likely where i'm gonna see a kid that shouldn't be in the audience and you know it's kind of funny but it's also like why do we keep bringing like little kids to horror movies like and but it's part of it is like I would like to see more things like Are You Afraid of the Dark or uh, Goosebumps, maybe even at a movie level, but like for kids, you know, like that's and that isn't just like a ghost farting or something, you yeah. know, like just things that are good horror anthology, but for little kids. Um so i do think that that's like i'm sure the other episodes were like this too i mean that it's effective ghost stories for kids that's just like 30 minutes long and um yeah and watching it as an adult i mean i just kind of liked seeing the parallels between that and like tales from the crypt or the twilight zone or just that type of storytelling yeah
1: Yeah, I I continue to, this is now the second one I've done for this episode, I continue to be impressed that they don't, they take it seriously. Like, it'd Mm -hmm. be pretty easy to step back and go, okay, well, what if, you know, we don't want to go too far, you know, maybe the clown shows up, gives him a scare, and is like, oh, I'm just here to talk to you, Sam, and teach you about this.
3: God, that would be awful. Yeah, so
1: (laughs) I think they found a pretty good line of, it's not too much. But it's definitely, you know, it's taking the matter seriously. It's going, like, no, we want kids, because kids like to be scared. Like, we want kids to be frightened. The clown is a legitimate threat.
3: Yeah, and I think we have to remember that, I mean, yeah, not all kids can watch horror. But, you know, kids are pretty resilient. Like, you know, if they're not going to like the show, they're just not going to watch it. I don't think, like, an episode of a show like that's going to traumatize a child. Like, And I think sometimes because we forget that as adults, I mean, we are going to be, I think, a little more traumatized by scary fiction like that, just when it really seeps into your head, whereas, like, a lot of kids, it'll just be like, this is scary, I'm going away, and, like, you know, again, as long as it's age appropriate, I mean, when I was little, I saw a little bit of Lost Boys, and, like, that scared me and and gave me some nightmares, but I also shouldn't have seen it. I was, like, Mm -hmm. seven years old, but also, uh, you know, it also didn't traumatize me for life. It's my long way of saying, I think, like, there should be less worry about like scaring kids in a fictional setting, like, you know, in something that's like fun and easy to swallow. Cause it's also, you know, there was no blood in this. There was no like threatens of de- threatening to kill or die or anything. It was just like, I'm going to scare you. Yeah. and you know, I'm going to take you away. You know, it's like, you know, stuff like kind of like, you know, the Kroffis mythology where it's just like, he's going to steal you. <laughs> like if you're bad, you know, that's, those are fairy tales. Like, <laughs> I hope that makes sense. I'm like yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm happy that the conclusion was it it wasn't just that was awful. Why did you make me do that?
3: Oh yeah, no. I mean, (laughs) trust me, I've seen some horrendous stuff for adults that had a budget and like you know and that that no that was fine. I mean, again, uh, like if I thought it was kind of corny and stuff, I'm like, well, also I'm 34 years old. I'm (laughs) this isn't made for me, and like again I found it kind of charming like the the low budget aspects because it's like it it was low budget but it was earnest and like you know they they tried like maybe we could make a case that in the opening of the episode the midnight society wasn't really trying with the acting but you know even then that was just more kind of like hamming it up like it reminded me of when you'd have like the non-martial arts sequences and power rangers and it was always like terrible acting and you had like skull and whatever the other bully was who were just yeah yeah they like hamming it up like oh we're the bullies even though like no one in any of our high schools like dressed like that yeah and we're in any
1: normal high school they would not be the bullies at all
3: (laughs) so um it's like basically it was a level of acting that didn't surprise me given it was like a children's television show and probably filmed on, I don't know about a shoestring budget, but like not I, loads of money. Behind yeah.
1: It. I can't imagine <laughs> it was a lot, but yeah, it's, you can tell there's heart to it. They're, yeah. they're trying. There's not a, there's no cynicism to it where they're like, whatever it's fucking, it's a kid's show. Let's just knock something out and call yeah. it a day.
3: Yeah. And also point blank, like maybe with acting like that, maybe you do sometimes have to ham it up a little for a kid to get it, you know, like that's
1: true too. Yeah. yeah. And maybe you don't want Sam to be, you know, wet his pants terrified because maybe that makes it too real. (laughs) Maybe having him just go like, I don't like this is the level of fear that you want.
3: Yeah, well, and there is also an element of, and again, this is a whole other podcast discussion. But like, when you're actually traumatizing children on camera to get the desired effect, it can sometimes lead to not great things for the yeah. actors. They're getting older. I mean, there's like a really good article from um, Buzzfeed called "How Hollywood Failed Brad Renfro," and you think about how when he was young, he was in all these films were like a gun was held on him his characters being sexually assaulted there's all this violence against him and all of this was like before he was 15 and i mean he was already troubled but like they were intentionally trying to find a troubled youth but what they liked about him being troubled was that he was authentic like he brought you know deeply disturbing mentality to his characters that made the character real but at what cost because then he was you know he he was a drug addict he had a lot of mental issues and he died when he was like 23 so you know it was like so it's just i'm not saying that by hiring a slightly better actor we would like the actor who played sam would have had a tragic ending but i can also see why maybe they weren't looking to have a kid like be super terrified on this show because it probably would that i think would have been more traumatizing than watching like a fictional thing if you're a kid like it it's it's one thing if you're a kid watching it on tv but it's another if like you know, if the act, ag- if say like the director's like, okay, I'm not going to tell the kid when the clown's going <laughs> to pop out because then I want them to be scared. Yeah. It's like,
1: hey, Jim, you, you
3: be horrifying. We're going to put
1: him down and tell him where he's just going to watch some TV. And then you're going to take this mm-hmm. arm and you're going to shove it right at him. Or we're going to catch him <laughs> in fear.
3: And it's ironic cuz like you think about with The Shining, like that like the little kid who played Danny, that was like the one actor in the film Stanley Kubrick cared about his mental state because he basically told him he was filming a a family drama and like made sure he didn't see any of the violence so that he wouldn't be traumatized. Now, yeah. did he extend that same courtesy to Shelley Duvall? No. But no, he sure <laughs> didn't. But you know like I, even he understood that like it, you know it's acting but that can be deeply traumatic for a kid if like they're if you see that they're genuinely terrified on yeah. on film
1: That's a very fair point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all right so concluding thoughts is it's still probably worth people's time it could be a good you know as you said it's a, it's a really good gateway horror so if you're you know your kids are around that age and you're Interested in getting them into spooky stuff? Sit down, watch some "Are You Afraid of the Dark" together with them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and you know they'll learn a lesson th- uh, while watching. That you know, hey, if there's, they've been a little out of line lately, just show them this and go, hey, this is what happens. Crimson yeah.
3: <laughs> They yeah, Like, watch out! Or um, that bottle of whiskey over on the shelf. <laughs> oh, well,
1: <laughs> the, uh, the arrowroot cookie beast. <laughs> We'll come and get you tonight and crumble you something, something bad.
3: (laughs) Well, then you're going to say cookie monster and they're going to be like,
1: "Yay!" Then they'll just be psyched. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Sonora for joining me for our Crimson Clown segment.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Sean. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. uh, As mentioned, I will be posting up uh, some, some links to Sonora's books in the, in the show notes. Uh, Absolutely. Go over and check them out. You will, you won't regret it. Uh, keep keep the anthology strength going with a little paranoia and seeing things, like I said, that was a one-sitter for me. And that is not easy to do. And I fought all obligations to make sure <laughs> it happened. So absolutely check the... I don't know, did you want to kind of give uh, the... Because seeing things is the newest one. Before we go, did you want to kind of give the, the quick pitch on that one? I don't want to say sure. it because I don't want to spoil yeah, anything, good. so...
3: Seeing Things is my third novel but it is a quick read like you mentioned Sean it's very short but it's about a teenage girl who discovers she can see the dead but none of them want to talk to her. Okay I'm glad
1: you because that was the what I wanted to mention I was like I don't want to spoil too much.
3: Oh yeah no that's on the back cover description so you know that's like in the in the first few it's like in the first or second chapter so um and but then she's you know she's wondering why this is happening and this is all in tandem with her going for her annual summer visit to her uncle's place at a coastal town in massachusetts and she's probably going to find some stuff out there but she may not like what she's about to find out and if you want to find out what it is then you should read seeing things
1: yes you should it is a relentlessly paced novel and yes like you said i really liked the uh the kind of twist on the standard, even with Are You Afraid of the Dark, where you a ghost shows up, and if someone can see that ghost, you expect the ghost to go, you got to solve my ghost problems. Yeah. <laughs> so I really liked the spit on that, that the ghosts were like, oh, you can see me? I don't really give a shit. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, no, I, it, that was actually, and I'll make this quick, I know we've run over, but I had that idea, like, about four years ago, and I just, like, I was originally writing it as a short story, but I couldn't, like, find my angle because i had the 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 idea of like she can see the dead but none of them want to talk to her haha that's funny but then you know that's not much of a story without like a driving plot but i do like stuff like that i actually have been mulling over a story where you know how like halloween is seen as the time that the veil is its thinnest and so ghosts can come over and you have this like kind of antisocial ghost that hates this time of year because they don't want to see any of the living oh i like like that (laughs) so i might try and develop that into a little ghost story like for fun i think that one could be short but then i need to have a reason but i also don't want it to be like the ghost learns his lesson and makes a fun (laughs) friend like i I, you know i want to try and like you know take a different angle with that yeah
1: all right so everyone you heard it here first look out (laughs) for that one look out for sonora's take on the crimson clown Sounds like that one's coming soon, too. So.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I forgot. about that one already. That one comes
1: first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so thank you once again for joining me here today. And we will move now into whatever transition I pick to go into <laughs> our third segment. What is that? Welcome to the third and final segment of our what I imagine is a Lord of the Rings extended edition-esque length episode of So Do We Still Like This. Uh, And to close it off, we have another amazing guest here today. Would you like to introduce yourself?
4: Yeah, uh, my name is Nico Bell. I am a writer and editor and book reviewer for horror and some (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi. My husband keeps popping in and out. He's my tech support. It's all good. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you.
1: (laughs) No worries. There's at least one. Now that we're all doing this from home, there's at least one or two entries episode, so
4: I'm terrible at all things tech. So thank goodness he is a computer person. He's been helping me during quarantine stay in touch with people through Zoom. I also, and I also have
1: to comment. No one else, you know, this is just for us. But I have to comment on the shirt. Oh, it's a fantastic <laughs>
4: yes. midsummer shirt. Yeah, yes. I, I don't want to say you. too much
1: either because it's you know, if people listening haven't seen Midsummer, I don't want to oh. spoil it because it's kind of got a spoiler. But it yes. is a very good step by step guide to something that happens near the end of the film.
4: It's my favorite horror of the moment, my favorite horror movie of the moment. I've been watching it on repeat, I think, for the past couple of months.
1: <laughs> and I almost shelled out, I forget how much, the American to Canadian conversion was like 80 or $90 for a director's cut of Midsommar Ooh. on Blu-ray.
4: I probably will one day do it. I don't know why, I just love that movie so much.
1: It's Some really good. I really
4: hate it, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: It was fantastic because my wife, she's not too into horror, so she didn't want to watch it with me. But she happened to be in the room when I was in the final half hour with that part. And she's like, the fuck are you watching? Oh, we can curse here, by the way.
4: Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have some context to that movie before just jumping in at the end. That's not a good
1: place to just get into it. It's like, isn't this, weren't they at like a music festival? It's like, no. (laughs) Music festival. I mean, they were at a festival. (laughs) Things have taken a turn and. Now here I like, we that. I
4: like that yeah yeah but thank you yes it was a cool shirt uh,
1: so i don't i know a hundred percent for sure because i want to you know talk a little bit about your works and your writing um we have food fright yes which is the i believe seventh entry in the rewind or die series yes yes uh, it is. which man Food Fright, you guys. You, you guys gotta read Food Fright. It is one of, I actually, it is such a fun book. I went, I, again, I don't want to spoil anything. Do, we, do Well, before I get too far, do you want to kind of give the, because I don't want to speak sure. too much, do you want to kind of give the, the pitch for, for Food Fright?
4: Yeah, you know, it's about this kind of um, this sort of like lonely teenage girl who wants to be in with the in crowd. And so she joins the JV varsity team or the varsity team soccer team and uh, participates in a hazing activity that goes wrong. And there's some witchcraft and there's food that comes to life and there's a lot of gore and murder and comedy. Yes. <laughs> That's what I got for you. That is a fanci- comedy.
1: That is a fantastic bullet point pitch. Uh, <laughs> I went when I was reading it and found my wife to read, like, you got to hear what's going on right now. And, I again, I don't want to spoil it because it's such a fun moment. It's, like, the first main food attack. and the croissant. He, he, it's, like, okay. everyone
4: talks about the croissant. Okay. And I love the croissant so much. All right. As long exactly as you're really cool, cool with putting it out there. Yeah. You know, um, A Stranger Dream they do bookmarks and she actually did a bookmark of the croissant monster and you could actually go on and buy it. And I love what she did. She brought my little Francois to life and I love it so much. I
1: have one of those in the mail on its way to me. Awesome.
4: Yes. (laughs) I checked the
1: tracking this morning.
4: Yes. She does a great job with that. So yeah. Yeah. Croissant monster. And there's some other monsters and it's just a lot of fun. In my mind, it was like a B horror movie. Like that's what I was writing and just like a form of escape for an hour. So you can just have some, crazy experience and you know tune out the world and just enjoy yourself with over the top ridiculous horror. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. It is a fantastic time to read such a book. Just yeah. exactly <laughs> escape into a world and look at problems and go, well, at least I'm not dealing with this.
4: Yeah. So. The whole unnerving um with all of the series that he did is perfect for what's going on right now, just to have a form of escapism. Um, And all the books that I've read so far are just over the top amazing. I love them all. So it was really, really fun to be a part of that. And he's doing it again for anybody who has an idea you can pitch to him without having the whole book done, which is what I did and a lot of other people did. And that's such a great, great thing for writers. You know, it's not as intimidating as having to write the whole book and then pitch. So I I I... encourage everyone, yeah, to do it.
1: And I assume that the the pitch kind of around the 20, because there's 20 books coming out throughout the course of 2020. So I assume kind of mm-hmm. the pitch is a throwback to the video store days. Yep. yep. Yeah. Any and it, sort
4: of B-horror. Like I, he had said to us, you know, think along the lines of like Leprechaun and Gremlins and Tremors and Friday the 13th. And so that I think he got exactly what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. A wide mix of really bonkers horror. That's so much fun.
1: And as I've mentioned, uh, there will be for anyone listening. If you head over to the show notes, there will be links to all of the books that we have talked about. So, go go pick up Food Fright. It is it is a goddamn delight.
4: Oh, thank book. you so, so much.
1: Uh, and I don't know if you you know if you want to talk about it. I saw and I don't have the full context. You posted a cover reveal yesterday. I
4: did. Yes, for Shiver Anthology. It is a cold weather horror anthology. There's going to be thirty writers and. All of it is set somewhere in the cold or has some sort of cold theme to it because I really love like horror, like the thing and things that are set in the Arctic and things. And so I was looking for more to read and I put that out into the horror world and someone was like, you should, you know, have an anthology or you should write it or something. And people had a really good response to that. And so I opened it up and now we have 30 incredible writers. I'm so excited to put this out. Every story is unique everyone did an incredible job. It was so hard to send out the rejections because there was truly no bad stories. Um, It was just a matter of like trying to piece it all together and trying to make sure there was enough uniqueness. So um, yeah, but it's coming out January 11th, paperback and ebook. And there'll be more stuff on my Twitter about it as time gets close. But hopefully people will enjoy it. I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure anyone listening, you can picture some pretty nightmare scenarios centered around cold.
4: Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be chilling.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> nice.
4: Yep, that's right.
1: <laughs> you are laying g- g- wordplay groundwork that we might not be able to match for the rest of this episode.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: We're damn well going to try. because yeah, That's right. <laughs> so uh, Nico is the, the second person we are introducing to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which is, as uh, we talked about in the last segment, for me, both exciting and terrifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because there's so many episodes of this show. And I started you know, flipping through episode guides and going to, you know, you type scariest episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark into Google. You get a billion results and no one's opinions match. So the route I just decided to go was what episodes do I remember being scary when I was, you know, eight? Yeah. And the one we did today, The Tale of the, quick, the Quicksilver, The Tale of Quicksilver. I don't remember if there's a the. That was one Either. of them. Yeah, it was. I had this taped off TV. I showed my friends this episode. They came over like, oh, you got to see this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's so good.
4: Did it hold up? Do you feel that now? Having watched it again?
1: Oh, we'll get into that at the the (laughs) end. But I'm sure people will start to discover our thoughts as we discuss the episode. So then this is I'm correct on that, right? This is 100 percent your first exposure to 90s.
4: First time, never had seen this series, first time watching this show, yes.
1: Was it on your radar at all, or is this sort of a, like, what the hell is this show that he's getting me to watch?
4: I might have heard about it. I I feel like I saw Goosebumps when I was younger. I didn't actually watch a lot of scary stuff when I was a kid, because I was terrified of pretty much everything. So I probably wouldn't have watched this. (laughs) Um, Yes, but I think I'd heard of it, at least. It was familiar,
1: Can you, because we've talked a a lot on this episode about kind of the the gateway into horror, do you kind of have that memory of when you started to like, okay, yeah, all right, I want to see more of this stuff?
4: For me, it was really vampires, specifically like Interview with the Vampire and watching that movie and Brad Pitt, and that was my gateway. Um, Otherwise, like I had saw Halloween and Michael Myers scared the shit out of me as a kid. I mean... That was like my first big horror movie. That is not a good one to see as a child. That's a no. yeah, that is
1: being thrown straight into the deep end. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I was watching it with like a blanket over my head. I still remember it was like a knit blanket so you could still f- see through the hole.
1: Oh, <laughs> and man. I
4: was like, why am I watching this?
1: <laughs> it must have really messed you up when someone in the movie does that. And then <laughs> it was, really it was bad things absolutely <laughs>
4: horrifying. It was horrifying. So that was sort of what I thought horror was. Like I thought you had to have a scary man in a mask. And then vampires was like so not threatening. So that's sort of what got me more into it. And then as I got older, you know, it was more like the comedy horror, like killer clowns from outer space and that sort of vibe and then writing it was even more fun because i had all the power you know so that's sort of how i got where i am okay.
1: uh so yeah well we'll start breaking down this episode we said we both Let's had some it. notes so yes. <laughs> um i don't know if i have too much so i mean we have our framing device with the midnight society a few of us have had theorized that well, at least me, I have theorized, I don't know if they meet at midnight, because I'm pretty sure all these kids are, you know, 11 or 12 years old, but...
4: That was my thought as well, is like, <laughs> where are these people's parents? Yeah. <laughs> they are out very late at night telling ghost stories.
1: Yeah. I'm still waiting for the the whole series, that reveal of like, oh, it's almost 10 o'clock. I mean, yeah. 1 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and we should go, you guys, because Midnight Society sounds way cooler than, you know, the after dinner story group.
4: Okay. <laughs> That would be amazing for sure if that was what it was.
1: And it's in Canada, so it's probably winter and it probably gets dark at 4 p.m. anyway. So this could even be before dinner.
4: There you go, right? Exactly. The 4 (laughs) p.m.
1: This, man, this show is Canadian as hell. Not as much this episode, but... Well, my first question to you is, how did you find the performances in this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark?
4: Oh, boy. I mean, look, they're kids doing – they're doing God's work here, okay? They're trying their (laughs) best. (laughs) They're given a script – or a collection of words strung together and they're really trying their hardest. So good for them. I will say when Tatiana Ali's name appeared, I was very excited. Yep. I had high hopes and I think she really did a great job. I agree. You know? So I really love that, but you know, it, you don't expect too much. I would say that the expectation was pretty low to go in and I feel like we, we stayed there the whole yeah.
1: time. Yeah. Tatiana Ali, it's not hard to see. Why she is maybe the person from this episode that the world decided? Oh, give her more to do.
4: Was this before she did Fresh Prince? She looked about the same age.
1: Um, if it wasn't, I can pull it up. If it wasn't was before, was this like how they
4: found her? That would be amazing. Like that if this would be amazing. Whole career.
1: <laughs> if someone went into Will Smith's office and said, "You got to watch this <laughs> Canadian." <laughs> horror show
4: that would be great i thought she did a really good job though i thought she did a good job of being scared and she screamed and it sounded real and then you know i think she was probably the highlight of all the acting
1: for sure a hundred percent sure so fresh prince started in 1990 so i think she must have already been a part of this so are you afraid of the dark actually apparently had some clout and was able to get in a a named person on a successful show, because yeah, well, that's this...
4: interesting. I wonder what that phone call was like. You know, like <laughs> for like her agent calling her and being like, but you know what? It it was a big show, right? I mean, people yeah. knew this. Kids loved it.
1: Yeah, so it, it was on for it was seven seasons. So oh, well,
4: yeah. So this was probably a good thing for her. You know, branching out and doing something different.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I think she did a really good job. The brothers weren't. Distractingly I mean, bad.
4: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. They were not distractingly bad. We all knew it was cheesy and over the top, but like you could still watch it. And as a kid, I don't think I would have cared so much about it. So. No. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. As a kid, you probably just figured like, Wow, these guys are doing. They're doing better than I could.
4: They're doing great." Yeah, yeah. I did love Tatiana Ali's nightgown that looked like from the Prairie days from yep. like the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> Which... I mean, we start with her like looking like she came out of like a little house on the prairie.
1: I actually had that same note because it. Uh, the episode opens with uh, I. I'm very always going to be bad with character names, so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to remember them, and especially because she's playing twins. So I think or it's Laura,
4: Connie, no Connie... Laura, Laura, think... Connie, one of them.
1: Yes. So we open with one of them. We don't yet know <laughs> she's a twin, performing some sort of ritual in her bedroom. Where she draws chalk on a wall and summons a ghost, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, let's let's divert for a second. What'd you think of the ghost?
4: Oh, that was a bit of... I, I have so many questions about that ghost. We never know. Who is this ghost? What's his story? Why is he dressed like a, I don't know, like a weird cowboy ghost?
1: Yeah, he's got, like, robes, are kind of... Yeah, it, we don't really get his backstory. It's like they went
4: into, I, I would, like, the costume closet. I, that's what it's probably called on set, right? The costume closet. Yeah. And they just pulled everything out and they threw it on this actor. And I just, so he wasn't as, like, scary, I think, for, like, a kid. I don't think I would have been as scared, you know, if I had seen him. Because he just looked a little, uh, I just didn't know what he was going for.
1: yeah. It was a disappointing reveal because, like I said, I had this episode on tape and I remember it terrifying me. And there's a bit of buildup where after the chalk door is drawn, he shows up as a silhouette yep. inside the frame. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, he's coming. Sure. Here it comes. My whole childhood personified. <laughs> and then he comes out of the wall. And it's like, oh, you're basically just a bald dude wearing some robes. Yeah. Like, you, you don't look happy.
4: No, I mean, no. No. But, like, we just don't get, like, an idea of who he is or what he's, you know, what his name. Like, we don't get anything. It's just nothing. And they could have gone a lot of different ways with that. So it was an interesting choice. I'm not sure what the purpose was
1: of this disheveled man. Yeah, especially disappointing because the episode, one of the other episodes we talk about on this one is called Dead Man's Float. And it's a ghost in a pool. And you get his backstory. And then when he's revealed... It's an actual, literal, like, rotted corpse that starts Mm. chasing these kids around. And we were talking about how good the design was and how they didn't tone it down for kids and go, oh, oh, we don't want to be too intense. Like, no, fuck it. It's a corpse. It's a Mm. rotting corpse. Go. This kind of felt like, well, we don't. Let's put a little spooky makeup on them and, like, make a mean face.
4: Yeah, they really did some nice contour work, I would say. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah, I think they probably, maybe they were trying to have different episodes. I haven't seen any of the other ones, but maybe some were like scarier than the others. And I was thinking maybe they purposefully didn't go as far on this one to try not to scare as badly as perhaps other ones. That was my thought.
1: I agree. And uh, the sheer concept of a ghost living in your walls and popping out into your room, face value is terrifying. (laughs) But we, for sure the rules are kind of all over the place and i know and another thing of this show is we just kind of skip around i don't I know i was trying to talk about the opening scene and now we're five steps away from that but yeah to your point of we don't know the, the backstory but there's also apparently rules like for yeah. example how to summon and get rid of him but he also seems to just be able to come out of the wall whenever he wants to
4: yeah it is really weird or or make people sick or certain people sick and other people not. I I don't really know. I don't know. I like the idea of rules in children horror because for me as like a skittish kid, the rules made it less scary. So if this ghost could only come through, if you draw a giant chalk door on your wall, then I as a kid wouldn't be terrified because I'm not going to draw a giant chalk door on my wall. But like you said, he's like all over the place. So. I'm not really sure what, like, what they were trying to go for. Like, what, what was supposed to be so scary about this?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, a, a couple of lines that even just say, "Oh, you know, he's here to collect souls," and be like, "Okay, yeah. shit, I don't want that."
3: Yeah, but he didn't really collect
4: soul- no. souls, <laughs> you uh, know, like, like
1: th- if they she because-
4: accidentally dies or. Doesn't I, I don't know, I don't know
1: <laughs> That's, okay, so yeah, let's get back to the opening Because I wasn't quite clear on that either So we have Tatiana Lee As one of the twins, that we later find out are twins In, as you said An outfit that makes it seem like Oh, we flashback far We're in the 1950s, <laughs> yeah. only to find out That, no, it was 1994 Just earlier 1994 A few weeks ago
4: Yeah, a few weeks ago, that was weird, right? Like, yeah,
1: not okay. much time has passed But, no <laughs> Who am I? I don't remember how we dressed to sleep in the 90s. Maybe that's what we did. No,
4: no, 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 no. Maybe? (laughs) We did not. I can say with great certainty as a female in the 1990s that we were not dressing in prairie garb.
1: Ah, but a female in America in the 90s. Who knows what we were doing up here in Canada.
4: Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes.
1: That might have been just us. We're always kind of playing catch-up. So maybe our 1994 (laughs) was our 1975.
4: Wow, you guys are super cool. You're really selling Canada here (laughs) to all the Americans.
1: There's not. I mean, we have coffee crisps. That's like my one- Coffee crisps? Yeah, it's like my one Canadian bullet point.
4: Is that like coffee-flavored potato chips?
1: No, it's a coffee-flavored chocolate bar. Like a little wafery.
4: Okay, that's that's a good thing. That's You're awesome. also weirdos who put like gravy on your french fries with like cheese curds. Isn't that's, that you guys?
1: It's strange that you said weirdos instead of geniuses.
4: Okay, all right. Well, we'll just put a pin in that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Some amazing Canadian who I could Google, but I, I won't right now, looked around his kitchen and went, hang on, if I take this, this, and this, oh. it'll be the greatest thing we've ever done as a society.
4: Oh my gosh.
0: And then
1: we went out to the world, gifted it to you, and said, here you go. You can thank us for the next 50 years.
4: We just pushed it right back across the border.
1: (laughs) You know what? Fine. We'll happily (laughs) take it.
4: (laughs) More for you guys.
1: That's fine. You can keep all your amazing Oreo flavors and your crazy breakfast cereals.
4: Thank you. Yes. I appreciate that.
1: We have our one thing.
4: That's right. Yeah. Well,
1: (laughs) yeah. So after she does her ritual, she screws something up. And she accidentally causes a fire by knocking over a candle. And then she's screaming while trying to get out of the bedroom. And the scene cuts. Yeah. Did they ever establish if the fire got her? If the ghost got her?
4: No, I don't think they did either of that. I mean, the the sequence of events that must have happened. uh, She knocks over it. Okay, fire. I think the door closes. The ghost must be keeping the door closed is what I imagine. So, I mean, I guess the fire got her. I, I don't know if it was ever really clear. So it's not like he came and took her soul. I mean, I think she just kind of accidentally died from her ritual.
1: I think so, too. I think it was a happy accident for the ghost.
4: Yeah, yeah. Really. And then he got her soul. So, yeah. yeah. That's why I wasn't, like, so, like, afraid of this ghost. Because I don't think even he knows how to take souls properly. No. He's very confused, I think. So,
1: No. He's mostly just spends his time doing childish pranks.
4: Yeah, and making people sick. The sick thing was so weird. Like, I don't even understand. This is kind of jumping ahead. But, like, the little boy gets sick and his older brother doesn't get sick. And I just don't understand who's getting the flu and who's not. Like, the ghost flu and who's not getting it. And why is that? Is he making people sick so they'll die? Like, why doesn't he just come out of the wall and take their soul? I don't get it.
1: Yeah. I like that we've just decided he steals souls. I, well, that's we've, what I assume, we've right? we added like... to the lore. <laughs> Of the Quicksilver Ghost, and just decided what else could he be doing? I mean, at one, and yeah, again, we're going to hop all over the place. I guess we should quickly establish that after that scene, two brothers and their parents move into the house, and immediately, because this show is 20 minutes long, weird shit starts to happen. Like, night one, I'm yeah. pretty sure.
4: Yeah, you got to keep it going, keep it going. Yeah, that's what it feels like. So, like, things are like flying, and there's a cue on the wall, and their parents don't believe them. And this is something that I, bothers me in all horror is when parents don't believe the kids that creepy things are happening or like cops don't believe like the protagonist when things are like authority doesn't believe. Like, I think we could be a little more realistic in it or try to figure out a way to make that work a little better. Cause these kids are clearly something's happening and the parents are like, Oh, it's fine. Oh, you guys are just joking around, go to bed.
1: They, yeah, they kind of get around it by a one-off line that the night before they are staying at a hotel and the older brother was telling ghost stories.
4: Yeah, exactly. That's
1: their out. But I I am a hundred percent with you. That is one of my least favorite horror tropes is, Any character not believing someone else who they have no reason to disbelieve. Like, this person's been your best friend or your spouse or whoever for 15 to 20 years. And all of a sudden, out of, you know, no history of lying or making things up comes to you and says, there's a fucking ghost in this house. The first thought is, like, I've been with my wife since 2006, so 14 years and if she came to me tomorrow and said, we actually have a code word to, you know, to give to make sure the other person takes you seriously. Mm. So if you come to the person and say, 100% there's a ghost in the basement and say this word, then the other person knows, okay, great. There's no time to pack. We're leaving right now. And I'm yeah. not. Dea- we're not dealing with this.
4: Yeah, right? I mean, I feel like in a way it's kind of laziness on a writer. I mean, sure, it works like we can just, you know, it does work. That's probably why it's used so much. But we can probably start putting that trope aside yeah. and trying to figure out different ways to make it believable.
1: Agreed. Yeah. What I really want to see, and I can only think of a couple times where this ever happened, is where they spin it around. So in this, say, when the kids are screaming because the ghost broke his own rules and just shows up in their room, doesn't do anything. He's just standing there going, ah. He's just lurking. Yeah. Yeah. And they start screaming, and then the parents rush in. I want to see more movies that then the ghost is still there. The parents (laughs) come in, and they're like, what's this? Holy shit.
4: (laughs) Exactly, right? (laughs) That would take it in a really fun direction. I'd like to see that. Yes, for sure. If your
1: first act ended like that, and I'm sure some movies have done it that I'm just not thinking of. The only one that I can think of is The Mist
4: oh yeah there's,
1: he goes and says you know i killed a monster in the back room you've got to come see and they all come back to see and it is in, de- in fact a dead monster right but i can't think of any other examples where yeah they just come bursting in and go what's all the code jesus christ there's a bald ghost roby yeah. man in here
4: <laughs> yeah i mean that would have been a lot better it would have had a lot more attention to it, you know.
1: Yeah, but it is, kids horror, so it is know, kids horror, so they don't know. They don't know that's a trope yet, not until exactly. they get older and they've seen as much as we have.
4: Exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, so the go- so we do eventually find out there are two ghosts, which almost made me want to go back and rewatch the episode to see who was responsible for what. Because Oh
4: yeah. On I his- guess that makes sense.
1: On his first day of school, I guess the ghost energy follows him. Because he's in class and all of these weird things keep happening.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. His desk starts floating and stuff. Now, if it's ghost number two, if it's the dead twin, she's really doing a bad job of coming off as friendly and wanting help. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, but I think you're right. I think it – I always I took it that it is the twin trying to get his attention the whole time. So – Yeah. But she was doing a really bad job. I yeah. Yeah.
1: Eventually, she just goes full force and just literally takes an item of his and leads him across the room to a yearbook she wants him to find, which is very on the nose. But that whole classroom sequence is just kind of who, her or the evil ghost just being a dick.
4: For sure. I like that nobody sees his desk floating. Like, he's, like, up and he's trying to hold it down. And everybody, they pan. Everybody is working so diligently on their classwork. Nobody that sees is it. Nobody sees it. One of my it. main
1: comments is in all caps, how is no one seeing this?
4: Yeah, I know. Like, nobody is that into their assignments <laughs> that can't the, see this desk floating.
1: And it's the start of class, so no one's even that settled in yet. She's literally just telling them to get your textbooks out and flip to this page. It's we great. have, as humans, it. peripheral vision.
4: No, apparently <laughs> so, not. Maybe, I guess again. Canadians don't. You guys really focus But we have ahead. to because
1: we have to be good at hockey. That's uh, the okay. rule. <laughs>
4: I don't know, because every Canadian kid in that classroom is very focused on their work.
1: Unless it happens enough that they're just like, head down, another I know, right? desk.
4: Just another person. Or another <laughs> prankster. That's what the teacher's like. Yeah. Another comedian in class. Oh, boy. Yeah,
1: the teacher is immediately just the worst. I know. Oh, like, that's Not funny. only doesn't see the desk floating, but also his pencil. He drops his pencil, and the whichever ghost it is, just keeps pushing it away as he tries to grab it. And she is looking dead at him as this yeah. is happening so a uh, best i could figure she just thinks he's flicking it forward and you know being hilarious
4: yeah, yeah. which is a classic prank when you oh, flick yeah. your pencil on the floor and then crawl after it yeah
1: people were always doing that <laughs>
4: all the time
1: <laughs> especially that was just established if you're the new kid you knew oh i gotta get got to bust the pencil trick out
4: everybody oh so cliche
1: have you ever had a new student introduced mid-year in your class? And if so, do they actually do that thing where they stand them in front of the class and say, this is so-and-so?
4: Oh, yeah. I always really? feel really bad for them. Absolutely.
1: Oh I my never gosh. once experienced that.
4: Really? No, they well. would
1: already be seated and you'd all kind of go, who's that? And then the teacher would go like, oh, you may have noticed we have a new person joining us here. That's so-and-so. No, oh, no. why don't you tell everyone about yourself? Just that person's here now.
4: Oh, no. I remember in high school that happened, and I felt so bad because it's like maybe in elementary school you can get away with something like that. But high school, this poor girl being dragged to the front to have to tell her like life story to a room of strangers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh. So, yeah, that's based on real life.
1: That's too bad. I thought it was one of those horror or movie tropes that never happened in real life. But
4: Well, it happened to me.
1: That's too I'm bad. I'm traumatized. <laughs> all of those people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Good to know, though. I'll start taking it a little easier on movies that do that.
4: Yes, please. Thank you.
1: I'm just consulting my notes to make sure I didn't pass anything up. The one thing I did note that we went by is one of the first creepy incidents is the, their bed starts shaking.
4: Yeah. And I
1: liked that the older brother's first thing is, Doug, knock it off.
4: I know, right? Like, so how is one supposed to be doing that? like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, how do you think your brother's doing this to both of your beds simultaneously while you're inside of them?
4: I know, it's crazy. Yeah, I did like the brothers. I like that they were close. I like that. There yeah. wasn't a lot of rivalry and stuff. Well, a little bit, but like playful rivalry between the two of them.
1: Yeah, we're coming off an episode where the whole central conflict was the two brothers not liking each other. So it was kind of nice to see a family dynamic that's just positive.
4: Yeah, you don't see that a ton in like, especially like horror, I feel like, because, you know, usually there's one really asshole sibling that gets all the villain, What like, I killed or whatever um yeah but this was nice it was nice to see them working together
1: yeah especially with children's horror and children's like entertainment as a whole is usually there's oh this is my snotty little brother yeah
4: exactly and
1: because you know yeah. kids can so kids can relate so yeah it was nice to see they didn't really have to do that You know, doug you're crazy this isn't happening like pretty much right on board oh things are really bad for my brother and we have to do something to help him if we can help your ghost sister at the same time neat but <laughs>
4: I like that Connie and Aaron kept bumping heads. Like, that's how we as an audience needed to know that these two were having a connection, was to literally bump heads.
1: Yeah. They <laughs> Every do a, time
4: they talked.
1: <laughs> they do the classic I'm going to help you pick up your book, Smeet Cute.
4: And that's something I've never experienced. Yes, <laughs> bumping think, heads with somebody.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> picking think picking up I, something. We can probably both definitively say in Canada and America, no one ever met another human being <laughs> by reaching down to pick something they dropped up and bumping heads.
4: And doing it multiple times in the same day.
1: Yeah, probably not. Definitely not that.
4: Definitely not. Yes.
1: So we start to discover. I'm gonna go back to the notes. This, this teacher. This teacher is an asshole. So is this ghost. It's true. That I made. <laughs> And someone must be ghost, seeing this.
4: Like, why wouldn't the twin ghost be like nicer or very, very obvious? Like, when she brings her to the, to the, what, not scrapbook, um, yearbook, like that makes it extremely obvious what's happening. Like, why not do that at first instead of terrorizing these two boys? Like, just how, you know, you're a good ghost. You're supposed to be the good ghost. Yeah. So make it, uh, don't put a cue on the wall and expect us to understand what that means. Nobody's going to know what that
1: is. But did she do that or did the evil ghost do that to show what's up? I'm here. Just like the book says.
4: huh? I don't know. Well, now I'm very confused. You yeah. added a whole new layer to this <laughs> that I was not picking up on. <laughs>
1: because the the younger brother, Doug, he has a another classic horror movie trope where he gets a book and has the exact information that he needs to deal with Super the problem. Helpful. yeah. And they mention that uh, poltergeists tend to leave a queue where they haunt. So I took that as at some point before they got there, we... Missed out on hilarious footage of robe man standing (laughs) standing in the room going, "Uh,
4: eh," He's just there with like a big marker. Yeah, just (laughs) (laughs) putting cues all over the wall.
1: And then giggling and running back into the walls.
4: That would have been amazing. (laughs) I took it that she was the poltergeist leaving the cues. Like, I thought she was the Quicksilver. Because I thought Quicksilver was a teenage poltergeist. Teenage girl pol- That's what I wrote in my notes. Quicksilver, okay. teenage girl poltergeist, leaves queue where they haunt.
1: So then so... who's that guy?
4: <laughs> exactly. That's why I had such a big problem. Like, it's just a random ghost. Just like a just a dude in a house.
1: But then they have to use silver to get rid of him.
4: Oh. So he does have silver
1: tied into his mythology. You're right.
4: He does. <coughs> You're right. That's a, oh, hmm. So, mm. Hmm. Okay, well, that's good.
1: (laughs) And it's all just swept under the rug with when they come home. So he ropes the still alive sister in like, hey, I found this yearbook. I'm living in your house. Your sister's still there. I had a weird vision of her trying to catch a ghost. Yeah. Let's go do that and we can go to a movie later. (laughs) So they go back to the house and Doug just kind of sums it all up with, there's two ghosts, a good one and a bad one. Yeah. moving on
4: moving on uh, yeah uh-huh and now um, i'm very confused about who's who bad
1: yeah
4: it. but that's fine i mean i can sum it down to just there's a good one and a bad one yeah your theory the bad one.
1: makes more sense that she put the cue as a warning
4: but then you're right about the silver you need the silver to get rid of
1: yeah, the ghost because that's what we find out is the whole conflict that she screwed the ritual up Because she tries to use... She needs a silver object and she uses a spoon. Yeah. And at the last moment when they're trying to... You know, they've summoned this ghost. He has captured the brother for the reasons that... Whatever his ghost reasons are. Uh, They don't ask the brother because the brother gets spit back out after the ghost takes him away. My first question would be, where were you? Yeah, exactly, right? For sure. But don't have time for that. Uh, Yeah, they discover, oh, the spoon is... It's steel. It's not silver thank God I have this object that we had dialogue earlier pointing out specifically this thing I'm holding. This is silver. His this might necklace. be important later.
4: His grandfather's necklace. Yeah. Oh boy. His wings. Cause he was a pilot. Yeah. I, I don't know if those would be silver or not. I just, I, I don't know. I was like, okay, we need something silver. Okay. It needs to come from the brother. I guess I can go along on this ride. Yeah. But There's whatever, n-
1: no reason to add in their silver except to look directly at the camera almost until yeah, us, exactly. Like, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> so they they do it. They summon and they you know capture the ghost. But the issue I had with that scene is they seem like they are reading the I guess we'll call them instructions sure. for how to capture that ghost for the first time live. Uh. The steps <laughs> seem to be surprising them as they come up. Like, there's no, there was no reading ahead.
4: Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. You just got to do it one shot. Don't bother prepping. Just go for it. (laughs) And just hope everything turns out okay. Yeah.
1: Like, they draw the chalk door. He comes out. And then they basically are like, okay, now what?
4: Sounding out the Latin words as you go along, (laughs) hoping it all
1: works. That's not what you do. You don't start a recipe and just go, okay, step one is this. All right, I'll look at the rest (laughs) later. Unless maybe you do. I don't do a lot of cooking, but.
4: Uh, no, I think that a little prep probably would have gone a long way for them. Thankfully, it works out okay in the end. But still, yes, I'm on board with that.
1: Yeah, we get in a pretty amazing effect where the two, the uh, Tatiana Lee playing the two sisters has to interact with each other. And if you look, and maybe it was harder, depending on the video quality you were watching it in, you can actually see the dividing line in the film mm. where she was playing the two separate people. And they spliced it together.
4: I like that scene, sister to sister. But I have questions. Number one, why wasn't the ghost talking? Like, why couldn't she have said something like, it's okay, I still love you? Or uh, something reassuring. Because she had just lost her sister. And then... Why does I I was expecting the sister to come back to life like we just defeated this ghost and little Doug just got threw back out through whatever vortex was happening behind yeah. the wall. Like, why couldn't the sister have died? And I was thinking maybe it's because she died accidentally in a fire instead of being, you know, eaten by the ghost yeah. or whatever. So I was expecting a little bit of a different. But then I was like, you know, it's a kid's show and maybe they're trying to touch on grief or maybe i'm just trying to read too much into this show and give them too much credit. They're not sure. It's
1: a show that's definitely not scared to go for the downer ending sometimes. So yeah. I think but yeah, i think we did just figure it out because you're right, she must have died in the fire for her ghost to keep haunting that house. Otherwise, she would be wherever he takes the brother.
4: Oh yeah, cuz She's still around. Yeah, there's a lot of plot holes, I feel like, in this very short 20-minute yeah, <laughs> horror show. But I would have, I would have liked better. better. I would have liked for her to at least said something reassuring, you know, or something sweet or something to her twin. Because yeah. her twin's just like, I love you, I miss you, and then she just, like, smiles and walks back into the wall. It was just weird.
1: Yeah, maybe she has nothing nice to say. You do <laughs> not want to know what's waiting for you on the other side.
4: Oh, that's really <laughs> depressing.
1: Credits. <laughs> I
4: know. Aww.
1: Cuts well, that, back that to the be... Midnight Society after he's done his story revealing the about the truth about the afterlife.
4: Oh, how depressing that would
1: be. And credits.
4: Oh. I do like the takeaway from this whole show at the end when the Midnight Society is talking. They're like, Sir, if you're going to use magic, make sure you do it right. Yep. Like that's the takeaway from this. Like, maybe don't try to mess around with, like, candles in your bedroom or, like, just anything else. That's the takeaway. Yep.
1: That was the lesson that we were supposed to learn.
4: If you're going to practice the black arts, just make sure you
1: know what you're doing. (laughs) Read the damn instructions beforehand.
4: Make sure silver is silver. Yes. (laughs) Make sure you use the right silver.
1: Pull up a book and just, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Did she, did she also not prep that well? Because she must have just done a little bit of homework to verify before you do this life-altering ghost summoning.
4: I know that, one little search would have been able. To
1: yeah, do it. ask someone. Yeah. Hey mom, are spoons silver? No, they're steel. Oh, and that's okay. it. Thanks, For... mom. Ooh, that would have been bad.
4: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Problem solved.
4: But don't worry, kids. Just make sure you do it right. Like that's that's the takeaway, kids.
1: I did. <laughs> right. I distinctly remember learning as a kid that spoons are made of steel because of this episode it hasn't benefited well, me at all but
4: there you go well you don't never know maybe one day you'll need to you know summon a ghost and put him into an amulet and now you know
1: yep now and i'll, I'll believe my child too which yeah, is helpful exactly. horror has definitely done that we've already had our our fair share of scary moments where she says something a little you know oh who told you that the lady over there Oh, oh, that's cute. <laughs> Mommy and Daddy need to talk in the hallway for a second.
4: <laughs> well, that would be terrifying.
1: You see a lady in the corner? No.
4: <laughs> that Is that's terrifying. <laughs> that's very scary. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, my kid has never said anything like that. I I, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> that would be awful.
1: That's the yeah. That's the weirdest one I can think of. That in the Alice in Wonderland, the frog takes the children away thing. Yeah. We were reading an okay. Alice in Wonderland book and it was a green frog. And she's like, I don't know. The frog's bad. I'm like, why is the frog bad? Because he takes all the kids away. I was like,
0: oh. Mm. <laughs> and
1: kids she are thought, great. <laughs> yeah. And she thought the hungry, hungry caterpillar was going to eat people.
4: Oh, mm, that's <laughs> nice.
1: Was a very. So maybe she will get up and grow up and be in a horror. Who knows?
4: I think you're probably leaning toward there Just yeah. from an outsider's point of view.
1: Yeah. I'm going to show her this show eventually.
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I
1: would think um, Yeah, I, Do you have any other episode specific thoughts Should we get into our Our concluding I don't think I have
4: No I mean it was it was a fine Decent show I think As a kid it was scared me and entertained me And yeah I think it did It's job just fine for like a little 20 minute horror show for kids
1: I'm glad you said that so far Everyone no one has been Angry at this show
4: Oh good <laughs> <Because> well, That's <laughs> are we for the dark? No one's been angry watching it
1: (laughs) because a risk of this of a podcast with this subject is boy, some people really don't like the things that you used to like back in the day when they watched them (laughs) as an adult.
4: I've seen like your podcast and like some of the stuff, and a lot of the things that you review I loved as kids, like so. I think you have a good grasp on it,
1: yeah. It's been interesting to see things like what is it like for a thirty-six-year-old to watch Drop Dead Fred for the same time oh or for the gosh, first time? It's and
4: bonkers. Not great. Not great. That's Some stuff doesn't hold up. Doesn't hold up well.
1: No, and that's what's been fun about our our podcast journey. But yeah, I I agree with that. It's uh, I wish it had gone a little harder Deeper. with the ghost design, but it doesn't it doesn't hold back too much. Like you know the. Like you said, the sister doesn't magically get to come back to life. Like, no, yeah. that's that's Death not how it deaf. works, kids. Yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, cool. it wasn't bad. I'll take it. Okay.
1: I'll take it. Perfect. It wasn't bad. <laughs>
4: <laughs> wasn't bad.
1: Would you watch more?
4: No, probably yeah. not. <laughs> A solid no. <laughs> but if, like, if my kid ever, like, found it on his own without any prompting <laughs> and watched it, I would watch it with him. <laughs>
1: so I, I mean, told been, you about this I
4: know right <laughs> um yeah <laughs> that's probably how I did it do. but you know I, I wasn't part of my childhood so you know it doesn't have the same nostalgia for me as I'm sure it does for other people
1: yeah yeah exactly for, for me I fell back into it pretty fast I remembered most of the rhythms of this episode and what was going to play out but yeah yeah it definitely didn't quite hit cuz as an adult i'm fairly confident there's not a ghost living in my walls like, fairly 99% confident sure, yeah you know uh, 80
4: yeah i mean i'm not going to put like a chalk door on my you know i'm not going to tempt fate
1: <laughs> yeah oh my god
4: yeah <laughs> no definitely not
1: why why even yeah why even roll those dice
4: yeah <laughs> exactly right
1: <laughs> just to be safe i'll i'll just comply <laughs> with whatever the ghost wants it's like why even bother antagonizing him exactly <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Nico, for joining us here today for our Are You Afraid of the Dark
4: epic. Yes. It sounds like it's going to be amazing. It's (laughs) together.
1: (laughs) It's a, well, it is a daunting task (laughs) ahead of me now. Well, not even really. Stitch, 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 done. Perfect. Yes. Thank you so
4: much for having me and introducing me to this, you know, um, TV show that I had not watched before. So Mm. I appreciate that. It was great.
1: No problem. And at least it's quick.
4: Yeah, it's yeah, twenty it's minutes.
1: Fun. And uh, actually, one thing uh, I, no one has talked about that we should highlight: quick, it is a like really good opening se- like theme sequence.
0: Yeah, I'd for be
1: sure. even just I'd be disappointed if I never expressed that. That I feel like the Arya for the Dark opening with just shots of here's a an abandoned swing set with a creaky swing and a creepy doll in an attic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is a yeah. very moody. I, it's better than the Goosebumps opening.
4: Yeah, it definitely sets you up for what you're getting. So yeah. they did a good job.
1: I just had to had to get that in there because I would have been sad in editing if I realized I had not mentioned that.
4: Sure. <laughs>
1: so so thank you once again. As yes. I mentioned, look to the show notes, pick up Food Fright, uh, is Shivers. Shivers comes out in January.
4: Yep, January 11th. Uh, is
1: there pre-order links up that I can post as well? or?
4: Not yet. No, okay. we're still working on it.
1: Okay, so stay tuned. Keep an eye out for that. I'll post Twitter handles. Everyone yeah. on our show today is absolutely worth following to keep up with just projects in the works and general horror thoughts. It's a very, you know, it's a very fun community to be involved sure. with. And you should all, you know, what else are we doing right now? We're all at home.
4: Exactly. Indulge,
1: right? read some good books, follow some yes. good Twitter, get away from all that, the, the awful Twitter Yes, You please, all know what I mean.
4: Goodness. Yes, for sure. Yes, come,
1: come join us in happy Twitter where we just say, here's some cool books and movies you should read and watch. Exactly. And sometimes yeah. maybe political stuff, but not as much as the rest of Twitter.
4: Yeah, for sure. We're a good group of people, guys.
1: We are. Yes. So come and join us. And always remember, follow the goddamn instructions.
4: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> good night, everyone. Bye. What the hell is this? And with that, our nearly three-hour-long episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark draws to a close. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to all of the guests who came to talk with me about their work and this show. Thank you to Laurel. Thank you to Sonora. Thank you to Nico. It was fantastic to have you on. I hope to have you back sometime. There's so many more Undiscussed 90s horror television Well there's like three But we should probably tackle them Maybe there's like two We should still tackle them uh, So thank you all Thank you to Tev Sound for the theme song I feel like I haven't said that in a while So sorry Tev Absolutely I continue to thank you For our fantastic uh, opening and closing theme song uh, You can go again to the show notes And look up links to all of the books That were discussed here today You can follow us on the Twitters and Instagram. If you want to know what horror movies have I been watching a month, follow us on Instagram. Do you want to not get updates? Follow us on Facebook. And you want Twitters, just kind of all of the above. Uh, Please leave a review or uh, a rating, preferably five stars. Uh, That does a huge help. And spread the word and spread the links and shout it from the rooftops that there's a podcast you should all be listening to. And sometimes it's three hours long, but God damn it, every second is worth it. So, General, thank you. Happy Halloween. Have a happy and safe Halloween. And I would always say something here, but always remembering. But I already did that, so you don't need to remember anything this time. So for all those things
0: nostalgic, I ask, so do we sit like this?